What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. is dropped on a new edition of soccer down here it's a tuesday the transfer window in a lot of leagues is closed but not all of the leagues so there will be more silly season to continue mls has got silly season all the way up until the what third second month of the season uh beginning of may brazil can add players till early april um argentina can add players for another couple of weeks Ecuador can add players until late March. Uh, Mexico can add players today. Today is the last day of the window in Liga MX. Turkey's got like another week. Um, it, it's There's still going to be some remnants of this window, but we can at least look back on the whole. And it's been reported this morning that the Premier League spent 295 million pounds in January. That is the second highest spending January in history. England as a whole, including the EFL, um, compared to the other top four leagues in Europe, those other top four spent 317 million pounds, about 380 million euro, two million pounds more than the Premier League and the EFL combined. The bottom five in the Premier League, and yes, we have the unique situation right now with Newcastle, they spent more than the whole of Serie A combined, twice as much as all of La Liga, three times as much as the whole of Bundesliga and Liga. And even then, they still didn't get every player they wanted. There were players, and there were big players, who opted not to go to England. I think um, what we're seeing here is, and Dan Jones at Deloitte, he's the head of the sport business group, he said that the, the transfer window indicates that the financial pressures of COVID on Premier League clubs are easing. They haven't had any disruptions to attendance yet. Some other leagues have. And this is interesting to keep an eye on. Um, Jarrett, I mean, you uh, follow all of this closely as well. It's been kind of a wild run of this window, trying to figure out who's going to go where, trying to figure out the Newcastle situation and what they're going to end up doing and how much they're going to spend. And they spent a good bit. 
that triggered other clubs. It triggered Manchester United to not want players to go to Newcastle because now they see them as a competitor, according to reports. It's as we try to figure out the market these days, and it does affect MLS, it does affect clubs in this hemisphere in terms of selling. It's maybe even more confusing than ever. Yeah, it's it's confusing, and there's a lot of um, you know there's a lot of cause and effect with all these teams, and it's going to come up again in the summer with Newcastle. I mean, let's not pretend it's not. Newcastle is trying yeah. to with their new investment. They're trying to break in to the idea of we are a part of you know the elites now. Well, I mean, we talked about this in the past, like. The elites are not going to want that door to hang open for Newcastle, though it will. Um, they're going to take that as a oh no 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 we're not no we're not we're not open for we're not we're not accepting new memberships. Um, they're going to do everything they can to keep their players from going there. I'm sure, and they're going to want to uh, they're going to want to go and get talent that Newcastle might want as well. And there's probably going to be some pettiness involved because you know give enough rich people in a room together and they'll make dumb petty decisions. That's kind of what they're going to do. Uh, yeah, I think summer windows to, be weird. Summer windows are really going to be weird, and I think as we start to make predictions about the markets as a whole, the Newcastle effect is going to get, I think, accentuated if they stay up, which I think they should. If they don't, then Eddie Howe's got bigger problems than than worrying about all this. Uh, he's going to be looking for another job. Um, John, I mean, as Newcastle solidifies themselves. What we saw this window and the reports around Jesse Lingard for one, Newcastle wanted him. Uh, Manchester United did have some other issues pop up very late in the window involving Mason Greenwood being suspended. But they did not want to help Newcastle. And that was reportedly part of this conversation that had been going on for a while because they now see them, not right now in the table, but they see them as a competitor. And that's only going to get broader for everybody else, every window coming forward. No question. And I think that uh, Jarrett was right on with his analogy. It's like you, you've got a bunch of folks in a club and all of a sudden, I guess, you know, if you want to you know, look at it from a Caddyshack perspective, Al Chervik shows up and he's the guy who's throwing money around and he's buying everything and buying everything for everybody. And he, John, I always have to, to ask you these things. Right. Uh, when did Caddyshack come out? Early 80s. I don't think it matters. Caddyshack's a classic, and if you it's haven't a, watched it yet, it's a classic. It is, but it. I. I, I want to say it might have been late seventies. I might be wrong. It might be like right at eighty. Anyway, pr- proceed. It's, it's old. Yes. Yeah. Well, Kenny yeah. Larkins is involved. It's the eighties. That is true. Yeah, but, he moved on later. But anyway, yeah, I know. But but I, I think that when you you have somebody like the Rodney Dangerfield character in Caddyshack come into your country club, you're like, yeah, everybody ends up being like Judge Smales. <laughs> You know, you are, have, are you now comparing Newcastle to Rodney Dangerfield? And I most certainly am. Well, Newcastle's not getting any respect, way. so. I mean, okay. That's a, that's a bold statement. Um, Alex Bassine, I'm sorry. I had nothing to do with this. Go ahead. Sorry, Ox. We've been disrespecting you for over a year, so. Jeez. It's just the, the new guy that comes in, and you sit there, and you, you don't want them to have any kind of impact or influence on anything going on at, at the country club. And so you're going to try to exclude them as much as humanly possible. And this, and the, the Jesse Lingard uh, element that we saw from Manchester United is the first of, I anticipate a lot of other ideas from the, the big six pick seven, pick eight, however many clubs you want to put in the, the upper echelon of the premier league, because they see Newcastle coming 
And, and Newcastle is not going to be shy about spending money on any level to try to A, stay up this season, and B, in subsequent windows, try to add to their talent pool because we have said that Newcastle is that is that club that can be up there in the upper echelon of the Premier League if they get everything, you know, if they get their heads screwed on straight and also if they spend a boatload of money at the same time. So well, they can't they can't spend any more this window. Right. They're, they're done for the season what they can spend. This is what they got. They might sell. But they're they're not going to spend anymore because the window is shut for Newcastle. There's no ways around it. They're not Barcelona with creative things about contracts being canceled and signing free agents. None of that. Newcastle is what they are now. Yeah, they should stay up. If they don't, then again, Eddie Howe's got bigger problems than anybody else because he's going to be looking for another job. He's got yes. the team that should stay up. Uh, thank you, uh, Twitch Pitch. Caddyshack was a 1980 movie. I thought it might have been 79, but 1980. So. You know, a 42-year-old a reference, John. That, that's good. It's a classic. It is one if you haven't seen it. You you should go out of your way to see it. The unedited version. people in this audience who haven't seen Caddyshack, I'm, I'm kind of caught off guard, but maybe it's Jared, just because Jared, Jared. I'm we have a wide it's like 10 years ago. No, no, no. I know, but and just, no, no. I mean, I'm also thinking in the sense of like, in my brain, it's still, you know, like 2015, 2016 for some reason, and it's not 2022. And the concept of people <laughs> are in... There are people in college yeah. who were born after the year 2000. I struggle with that sometimes. 2015 would still mean it's a 35-year-old movie. So, I mean, come on, man. It's great. Storm Chasers, Kevin, yes, you need to see Caddyshack. Oh, yes. Don't watch the sequel no. until you've no. fully gotten no. into the, no. the first one and you understand all of it. Then you can laugh at the, the sequel because it's so bad. Oh, so bad. But you got to see the, the original first and truly embrace it before you can understand that the sequel is horrible oh my god um anyway that's your caddyshack references of the morning um if you have not seen the thread from and it's not official from armenia bielefeld i think there was a little bit of confusion it's from uh one of their fan accounts on twitter uh, give them a follow first off because it was awesome to send that out to the attention of atlanta united fans who are interested in the club um, I've retweeted it. Soccer down here retweeted it. So it's very easy to find. Um, tons of background, tons of background, uh, very funny, uh, background on the club's name, background on the club squad this year, really great thread. And, uh, I, I gave the fan account a follow because I want to keep following this group. I want to see how George does. Um, really cool to see how much he's been embraced. Some of the comments I've seen on the German side of this have been very cool. Um, I think he's going to go in and they're going to really enjoy his work rate, enjoy what he brings to the table. And it sounds like, and, and maybe one of the things that wasn't widely reported on this side, but one of the holdups with everything was they had a left back on loan that they had to cancel the loan to create the space for Bellow because you weren't going to have another left back who's 22 years old. Uh, Leonard Zibora is going back to Italy. Uh, Genoa has his contract. He came over to Genoa from Atalanta last summer. They loaned him to Armenia Bielefeld. Um, only played five games, and they had to cancel that loan, send him back, and then bring Bello in. So that was one other issue with the the move, maybe one of the reasons it just took a little bit longer to get finalized. Because that had to get done. Um, Kicker had a report that Bello chose Armenia Bielefeld over Serkle Brugge in Belgium because he had received some promises of playing time. Um, 
And Kicker also said that this is something that Bello is probably looking for to earn more time with the U.S. men's national team, which I, I agree with all of that. There is talk of an exit clause, a, a release clause in the contract, but I've not seen an amount attached to that. So uh, that's what it is. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you, Alex. I don't think some people realize that that thread was not an official thread. It was a fan account thread. Uh, but it's still awesome. It's absolutely awesome. Um, I hope they figure out how to get jerseys to the U.S. because I'm assuming there's going to be a lot of them headed to the metro Atlanta area. Uh, people buying George Bellow, Armenia Bielefeld jerseys. Now we've had a little bit of time, Jarrett, to uh, let this soak in. You know, the move gets officially announced about five minutes after we ended yesterday. Um, thoughts on Bellow to Armenia Bielefeld? I'm glad the move got done because it sounds like that's the move that he wanted. That's the place he wanted to go. And the club was able to get a move in place that gets the player where he wants to go. And it's a deal that works for the club and everybody's happy. And that's important to me, you know, selfishly, is that everybody got something out of this. Like, yeah, it's it's hard to ask a player to come to terms with a place he doesn't want to go. So you found a location that he's excited to go to. They're able to make a deal that is uh, a couple million now. I thought it would be more, but it wasn't. But it sounds like same time, it, from Kicker, yeah. it sounds like it's about six hundred thousand up front, and then an easily mm -hmm. achievable escalator on it. So I don't think it is a couple million up front. Um, I think that's another mistake in some of the ways it's been reported. Um, Kicker said six hundred thousand, and then you have these escalators that bump it up around to two million is what it looks like where it gets interesting is if george bellow takes the jumps that you think he is capable of and yeah. you hold 25 percent of the sell on yeah i haven't seen that he... confirmed after this move went over but that was what was reported early on and that's a huge sell on i've an obscene sell on i made fun of celtic once for having a 20 percent sell on yeah it's good you take those sell ons when you can get them especially on if you're going to take a little bit less up especially front left back yeah, yeah, no, all, all of it is is a big thing. He pushes his way into the national team, and we're having different conversations entirely about this. Um, John, uh, I mean, final thoughts, because we're going to continue to follow Bello over at Armenia Bielefeld, but just reflections on the deal getting done and, and what it means going forward for Atlanta United. You have, a, you have a young man from the Atlanta area, from Douglasville, Georgia, a western suburb, who comes into the Atlanta United system, works his way up through the system, works his way up through the academy, gets playing time with the, the first team, gets playing time with the national team, and now he's getting time in Germany. This is part of what we were discussing with Darren Eels when we were in Athens over the weekend. It speaks to Atlanta United's academy. It speaks to one of the ideas that Atlanta United had from the absolute beginning of the growth of the game and having it from that local angle, the local perspective and all of this. And, you know, we've talked about it, talked about it last night as well on, on soccer over there, where you now have young, young men who can sit there and say, hey, you know, George Bellows from Douglasville, Georgia, a, a suburb. And he's somebody that I watched when I was growing up and I can follow in his footsteps. And so you, you've done something from an Atlanta United perspective on, on the international in the international game. And you've also done something from the local perspective where local players can sit there and follow in George Bellows footsteps. And I think that this twofold idea is it's fantastic. And it's what Atlanta part of what Atlanta United had been wanting to do from the absolute beginning with all of this. 
Now, a couple of uh, added elements to this. Um, Andres Andrade is who started the last match for Bielefeld in the Bundesliga. He is a Panamanian international, uh, plays as a left center back with Panama. Um, he left their last match over the weekend against Jamaica injured. Um, have not seen an update on the severity of the injury. But he left the match injured. I'm, I'm looking at a clip right now of the injury. Uh, he's, he's going to make a pass, and he gets caught um, by a Jamaican player. I can't tell if it's contact or if there's a twist. But he did have to leave that match. So there is an opportunity for Bello to move straight in um, and play. Keep that in mind. But he'll be competing with another CONCACAF player on the left side. Uh, we've got Dylan Butler coming up at 9.30 to get deeper into MLS. A um, bunch of preseason games over the weekend around the league. We'll talk about that. Jarrett, Tati Castellanos has not left NYC yet. Uh, Internacional, who's linked with everybody these days, is linked mm -hmm. with him. Um, you do still have reportedly uh, Besiktas, who has been interested, and their window is still open. I didn't check the Russian window. Krasnodar had been linked with him at one point. Uh, Palmeiras has been interested. Uh, River could still add him if they want. But your Fiorentinas, your West Ham's clubs who had been linked to him at different points, they can't add him now. Do you think maybe NYC was asking for too much for Castellanos at $15 million and that priced out some of the European suitors? It's possible. Um, the market's weird. I mean, some, some guys are getting sold for for amounts that were kind of unexpected honestly to me around the world but others not so much and maybe that was a price out issue with Tati. every day we rise challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in at u.s border patrol protecting our borders is more than a job it's a calling agents answer the call working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Uh, maybe he wants to go to Argentina or Brazil. I don't really know. Um... I do appreciate the fact that uh, Internacional is basically what Atlanta was in 2017 like, and 18, where, hey, we have a player who's available. Let's link them to this club. Are they real? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But it's going to generate traffic and traction. Um, let's see. As far as where was it? So the Argentine window is still open, so we could go do that. Um, I wouldn't write it off as he's going to stay yet, but I wonder if we end up with the deal – where it's he goes in the summer sort of thing. Like he gets sold somewhere, loaned back to New York, and then goes in the summer. Um, should be fine for me because I desperately just want to watch Tate Castellanos in uh, CONCACAF Champions League. 
I want to see him get booed mercilessly at a level we have never seen before in a Mexican stadium. Because I think he can achieve that. He has the talent. We've seen some serious booing in Mexican stadiums, Jared. He is the chosen one. (laughs) Because he'll get two goals and an orange card. Yes, that is true. You, You don't give Tati enough credit. He'll get a straight red. Give that man his respect. Acknowledge him. It's CONCACAF, man. He's going to get a straight red, but it's going to come out as an orange card. Uh, it could it's be, going to be a, a straight red worthy tackle. Oh, it could be nothing, and it's given as a red too. Remember that goes both ways. That could go either way. It could be nothing and a red, or it could be yes. He punched a player in the face with a closed fist. Everybody saw it, and it's a yellow. Like you never know. Speaking what's of CONCACAF, speak all have to do with this. I, that was not in CONCACAF, and it was not a closed fist. It was a forearm, because I think he missed with the elbow, actually. Um, speaking of CONCACAF, uh, John Arnold, who is uh, someone that you should be following on social media, you should subscribe to his Getting concacaf newsletter. It, it's absolutely worth the investment. Um, digs into the leagues around CONCACAF, but also the national teams around World Cup qualifiers. He has introduced the CONCACAF Pressure Index. The CONCACAF Pressure Index says that Mexico has the highest amount of pressure on them going into tomorrow's match. Yeah, that's accurate. Uh, They have... Oh, they've been in a funk. It's not just a game here, a game there. They have been in a bad, bad stretch. One win in their last six for Mexico. If they don't win... Tomorrow, Jarrett, is Tata Martino out of a job? I think we talked about this last night, and I think the term I used was turbo fire. No matter how the loss goes, you, you say that if they don't win, it, it, what if it's a draw? Let me, let me put it that way. What if it's a draw? What if they draw with Panama? If they draw with Panama... People are still going to be like retweeting Piojo's uh, resume, and that's the name that's coming. I think up. they have. To, I think I. I think he. Yeah, I know. That's why I say that. Um, I think he has to win. I think he has to. You're getting to the point with Mexico where you're running out of games where you can just kind of play around with ah, draws fine here because they can make it up down the road. You're running out of those opportunities, and the federation's getting impatient. I've seen what Piojo has done before in like basically whipping them into shape to get to a World Cup and then coming a uh, Iron Robin ghost foul away from uh, making the furthest advance they've ever made. But I think they're running out of time for all of this. And that now you're in must win territory. You're at home. You lose this game. And I, I get it. I, think, I believe it's uh, Panama they have. They they have Panama tomorrow, but here's where yeah. and and I'm I'm kind of with Tosca on this one. Their last three games, they're away to Honduras, weakest team in the group. They're home to the U.S. and home to El Salvador. That's their last three. The idea of of I think running out of time to make it up, I'll, I'll disagree with you. I think it draws enough for him to keep his job, but I think it is tenuous at that point. And it might even need to be a draw with at least something positive to take out of it. If it's a draw like it was scoreless against Costa Rica, eh, that might be enough to do it. It's it's a little hard to measure 
where the the temperature is on this um because you have some who are traditional in the way that mexico has handled coaches and oh you lose two games bye see you get out you have your piojo you know advocates you also have people who believe in what tata martino is doing trying to modernize the program bringing a different perspective and they're willing to give him a little more time um I think that schedule in the last window is very favorable for them. Two at home, one away. Uh, two of the lesser teams left. You do have the match with the U.S., and that's the first game of that next window. I don't think in a three-game window you're going to fire somebody in midstream. So they're going to have to make that decision of, <sighs> is he going to get them through? I think the schedule works out that he can, but, Jarrett, before we we let you go and we bring Dylan Butler in, um, I feel like Tata's got to, if he doesn't win here, he's, there's got to be something positive to take away from Mexico, or he's gone. But there does, but then you're getting into, I, I don't disagree with you in that sense. I think he needs to win personally. I can see where you're coming from, but I don't know how to quantify the idea of he needs, what what exactly he needs Um because, but, you know, the, everyone's going to look at the game differently, and that's going to be part of it is, you know, what if he goes in and gets a draw uh, where it's, you know, Mexico basically pulls the United States and Canada, but without the loss, where it's they can they carried the play, they controlled That'd the tempo, enough. they just weren't able to generate, they weren't able to generate goals. Like, I don't think that keeps, I don't think he keeps his job in that. I think he does. I think if there's something they can hang their hat on, he'll he'll keep his job. If if it's scoreless like it was over the weekend, then he's going to have a hard time. I think convincing people to back off. I don't know. It's going to be it's going to be interesting. I agree with yeah, John we'll Arnold though. I think that is the highest pressure spot in Concacaf right now. Jared, are you bouncing back on in hour number two? I'm going to try. We're going to okay. see what happens. Well, then we might see you. you. We might not. You might. You just might. You might hear him, and we'll see the the image. That There's gen- that. Yeah, Jared's shy. He doesn't yeah. like to put his face I on camera. Get, well, I, I need to get a. I need to. I need to get like a still image or a set up or something. Yeah, you'll have to figure that out. Bye, Jared. Yeah, I'll do it later. Bye. Bye. All right, let's bring uh, guest number one of the day in. What's up, Dylan Butler? How are you? What's up, guys? How are you? Morning. Good, good. Um, MLS is starting to pick up a bunch of preseason matches over the weekend. And now that the dust is kind of settled in Europe, at least the big leagues, I, I feel like now MLS can enter like phase two of, of silly season where <laughs> you're, you're picking up some European players that are maybe just excess to some teams. We've seen that over the years, but maybe a little bit more of the South Americans coming in and intra-league kind of moves? Because I think there's still a lot of teams who have work to do on their rosters. For sure. And and, and I think, too, you know, even though the European window <clears throat> is closed, it's still open in, in Brazil, it's still open in Argentina. So um, we've seen a lot of business between those two South American countries as well, right? So I think that's something to kind of keep an eye out for. You know, you, know, you think of like a, like a Tati Castellanos, for example, uh, you know, Perhaps there, there's been interest certainly in those two countries. Uh, could there be a big money deal there? So I don't think he's necessarily absolutely on the roster for the start of the season just because the European window closed. Although I do think 
NYCFC is being pretty bullish about, you know, having their number, making sure that it's met. And, and if it's not, you know, we're pretty comfortable playing with him in the first half of the season. Who in your mind is still twiddling their thumbs and, and twiddling them unnecessarily when it comes to either outbound or inbound players uh, as we're now here in training camps? And I guess who then concerns you the most because they're still twiddling their thumbs when it comes to player transactions? Um, I, I feel like it's a, a recurring theme with us, but we always kind of point back to Red Bull, right? But uh, they are starting to make some 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 noise, right? You're hearing the Tom Edwards, um, maybe some other moves as well. So So maybe they were later to the party. Uh, to the transfer party than others. And remember too, they got some of their, their, their work done early with Lewis Morgan, but uh, it does seem like they're starting to maybe pick it up a little bit, um, which, which is good to see for them because, you know, as we've, you know, detailed um, so many loan deals and, 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 and those are tricky, right. When you don't retain guys and then you lose your captain, which also seems to be a recurring theme with the Red Bulls. Uh, so, it's good to see that that they're starting to maybe get some of that work done, uh, and there's still plenty of time. You know, it's it's not uh, it's still very much preseason. So, how are you expecting the the Red Bulls to look this season? I mean, what are your expectations getting in the back end of the playoffs last year? Do they progress from that, or is it a situation where maybe with the East, I think being as strong as it is, that yeah. maybe they have a better year in terms of quality, but the results don't match that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think um, I think they played certainly better down the stretch, right, than, than they did all year, but they needed to do that to get in the, into the playoffs. So um, I, I don't see sort of like an option B, especially under Struba, right? Like I, I know Armas was trying that and trying different tactical things because teams were 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 you know bypassing playing out of the back to to avoid that that high press. Um, and the counter pressing that Red Bulls do and, and Struber is doubling down on Red Bull, right? Mentality. So um, I think it'll be interesting this to sort of see how how his teams do uh, throughout the course of a of a 34 game season, right? So um, but you're right. I, I think I think when you look up and down the east and and you know, heck, you could almost already throw a Charlotte into the mix too. It's not gonna be easy, you know, like it's it it is it seems to me that it is the better. I think it's pretty clear. It's the better of the two conferences right now. And, uh, and, and, in that, in that sense, right. The, the wins, the points, um, they're not going to come easy. So, so I think everybody's kind of in an arms race to, to raise their level after you had the, the cup winner, you had the shield winner, both in the East, um, other clubs, I think Atlanta being one of them improving, um, and I don't necessarily see that in Red Bull. So so that, I think, if I'm a fan of that team, I think that's a little bit troubling. Where do you see a team like D.C., considering mm-hmm. that their, you know, their cap issues and players and, and Losada in Season 2, where do you see a team like D.C.? Are, are they below the playoff bar? Are they going to struggle, struggle, or are they just going to be not in the playoff thought? Or where do you see a team like D.C. this year? I, I see them pretty close to Red Bull battling close to that line you know uh, i i don't they're another team too as you mentioned john you know with the with the cap concerns that they had and and you know they 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 do a good bit of business with areola certainly um where, where they gain back some some money there but yeah i don't i don't uh you know you lose paredes uh, i i i kind of see them 
you know, and, and their moves too, you know, we, we uh, Jason and I spoke about it last week, you know, you get a guy from the Greek league. I mean, that's look, you know, you can look up and down his resume, but who knows, right? Like how that's going to translate to, to, to MLS and if that's going to bring success in this league. So um, yeah, I think they're right sort of in that mix right now with, uh, with a, with a Red Bull. I think like a Nashville, especially getting a, a Sean Davis, I think they're greatly improved. Um, you know, they've gotten a midfield, a central midfield that, that was looking a little bit old, right. With, with Dax and, and Godoy. Now they're younger um, and they have a similar kind of player there as well. And he's not going to be asked to, to do as much uh, running and pressing as he did obviously with Red Bull. So that should suit him well too. So um yeah, again, I think I think DC is is kind of right there with uh, with uh, with Red Bull and, and and maybe not doing enough. And again, we, we spoke about their cap concerns, but um, I think they're a team that's going to be battling certainly for for maybe one of those last playoff spots. Yeah, I think what DC's dealing with is is something that we we talked about a little bit last night on soccer over there with managing the cap in MLS, mm-hmm. and it's it's so unique to it. You know, you, you can't really compare like transfer windows and and what teams are doing to anybody else in the world when you're dealing with MLS, because you have that allocation money concern. You have that concern about selling guys to get more allocation money. You have the trades within the league sometimes being more valuable than a sale outside the league. There's so many moving parts to it, but if you don't manage the cap, not just in one window, but over a few windows, if you don't have that thing projected out for probably two years, really to be safe, then you can get into the situation with DC's in now where they've been able to rectify it, you know, kind of late in the game here and in, in the off season, they get that money in for Areola. They're going to get another million plus for Paredes on the cap, but now it's harder to buy and you're later in preseason and guys got to come in and get accustomed to Aaron Lasada's system. So you've, you've almost put yourself even further behind because you didn't stay on top of the cap like some other clubs have. Yeah, now you're putting pressure on yourself for the for the summer window, right? When yeah, when things are generally more expensive. Yep, that becomes a desperation kind of window, and then then you're talking about people's jobs on the line, yeah. and, and that's what's really difficult about it. Because Lasada, I I think, is a really interesting manager. I, I like what he brings to the table. I, I love the the personality that he brings. I like what he's trying to do as a coach. He's got an identity but I don't think he's got enough talent to be competitive in the East and not as it's improved this off season. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be tough. Um, I, I want to get into some of these preseason results as, as we're trying to learn a little bit about some of these teams. Um, the galaxy in Toronto had a five, four match, <laughs> which we've talked about Toronto and defensively what they could be this year. They have added Salcedo now. That deal finally gets done. Soteldo to Tigre, Salcedo in. It's one player that'll help a little bit. But Toronto, we know they'll be able to score goals no matter what they end up doing with Josie Altidore. But are they going to be able to defend at a high enough level to be competitive in this East? They didn't last year, certainly. And and I don't see a major improvement in that, right? Is Salcedo the, the big response to that I, I don't think so you it's, it's you can't defend with one guy <laughs> so uh yeah that's a, that's a big issue right I mean I I think um I think 
getting rid of Omar Gonzalez was good. I I, I don't I agree. You know, I, he's not an everyday starter in this league anymore. Yep. Um, when you drive a vehicle so reliable, it's backed by a 10 year, 100,000 mile limited warranty. You stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I think, uh, I think they thought that Kamar Lawrence might return to that sort of best 11 that he was with Red Bull. He didn't. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, big, big concern there defensively. You know, I, I'm not in love with a Mavinga or a Zavaleta. I mean, these guys have been around for a while. So yeah, I think that's a, that's a big problem. Maybe, maybe we'll see a lot more, but I, listen, it's maybe good for the rest of us, right? Five fours are fun. So maybe yeah. we'll see a lot more of those with Toronto this year. You want a, you want a wild card? Um, we've seen it in the past. We saw it out of necessity a few years ago, but you know, we've talked about Michael Bradley and the legs yeah. going a little bit more. Does he start converting to play as a center back? And maybe they play three center backs. That's a good shout. Um, I could, I could, I could see that. Um, but also too, I guess you look at like, Bob Bradley's teams at LAFC, I mean, they weren't the most solid defensively either, right? No, like they just wanted to outscore teams. So uh could could be a lot of fun. <laughs> this could get wild. Toronto games <laughs> might be must watch for the amount of goals. Take the over every time. Yeah, for sure. When you're looking at uh let me go out west for a second. And I know that Jason will go back into some of the other preseason games. And I'm looking forward to seeing Toronto playing that one five four that you're that you're, <laughs> that you're referencing there, Dylan. The Austin Trusty transaction yesterday. Yes. Where it's a transaction within the family, yet you're still transactioning him in the summer to Arsenal. And I imagine that the the financials will be of benefit to you coming back since he is going to Arsenal. What, what do you think about the idea of a player transaction within a family, yet you're dealing with another league in another window? Is this shrewd or is this taking advantage of the rules that are currently in place? Uh, can it be both? Yeah, <laughs> I was about to say, I'll take both. <laughs> choice, T, absolutely. All of the above? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, um, I think it's not dissimilar. Um, maybe it's a little bit different, but but – I would say it's similar to if you remember a few years back with Nick Diskarud with NYCFC, mm-hmm. right? Like big, big uh, price tag on him, wasn't playing for NYCFC, and uh, he got transferred to Manchester City. Obviously, never played for City and got bounced around on on loans um, to take that off of the NYCFC books, right? So, I think not not too dissimilar. Kind of also. I hope it's not the case, but it also seems kind of almost like a Matt Miazga to Chelsea kind of deal too, right? Where I don't, I don't see, 
I, and I like Trusty. You know, he's a good young American center back, but there's better American center backs who are young, you know, like a Miles Robinson, for example. So uh, I, I think this is one of those where we'll see him probably in the lower leagues in, in, in Europe bouncing around on a few different loans, right, for for probably the length of whatever the contract is that Arsenal give him. Yeah, these, these kinds of moves are interesting. I mean, Trusty was expected to be that guy ahead of McKenzie in Philadelphia. Yep. And it, it didn't happen. He goes to Colorado. And he's bounced back. I think Robin Frazier's done a really good job with him. But you're right. Like, is he an Arsenal center back? Probably not right now. But in terms of the family, you're able to make a deal. I'm sure it'll be structured the way that will give Colorado a million in allocation money. You know, they'll get the max out of it and they'll have more room to work with. I'm sure Trusty wants to go to Europe. You know, I, I don't think he takes it because he knows. I mean, he's. He's going to be able to at least be part of a preseason, I would assume, but he's probably going to end up getting loaned out to different places. But he's up for it. So everybody kind of wins in this scenario. So does the and Union. The, yeah, the yeah, the right? Union will get cash. <laughs> They'll get cash out of it. Um, it's, it's an interesting one because with Red Bull and their family of clubs, with City and their family of clubs, with Arsenal having connections, you're getting more clubs with not like the old school marketing partnerships that were just a waste of time back in the day. You're getting real financial considerations and finding ways around MLS rules at times to increase space in the cap. It's not breaking the rules. It's not a Miami situation, but it, it's being creative in bringing resources into your MLS team. It's it's interesting to see if if other clubs start to do more of this too. I thought I thought red bull would be one that maybe they would do it more too and they haven't right so um i always thought like there was ways to maybe be creative you know leipzig signs a young player he can come to red bull on loan get some playing time here um they've not really done that i know nycfc did it earlier on right with uh shay facey right who we see now in that uh, was yeah in the in the champions league um but uh but yeah and and you know the kind of the I don't even know if I would call it a marketing partnership, but another one that kind of when you were going through it, Jason, that that kind of rung a bell for me was, you know, this FC Dallas Bayern Munich one has, has really worked out well. Yeah. For young players because they're going there to train in the, in the winter. Right. And uh, they're getting seen by their by their scouts or coaches. And, and we've seen, you know, even if it's not just right to, to Bayern, you know, we're seeing these players also going to go to the Bundesliga. Yeah, that's not exactly it's it's not an ownership situation, yeah. even though I think South American media said at one point that Dallas was owned by Bayern. <laughs> um, but they have a, a development partnership. Yes. That's that's good. I wonder if more teams will look to do that for these benefits, because there's huge benefits from a, a player development standpoint, but also from a roster construction standpoint, because that allocation money yes. is critical to being able to stretch a roster, as we talked about with D.C. earlier. And, and, and uh, the other part of it, too, uh, the scouting network, right? And, and that's especially where NYCFC has gained because you've got that CFG scouting network and, and you're able to sort of pick which player that you scout can go to which different club, right? So I think that's, um, again, maybe not have, maybe not, maybe hasn't benefited Red Bull as much as they as they would hope, but it certainly has uh, worked wonders with, with NYCFC where like a Talis Magno, right? 
gets identified by the CFG uh, scouts and, and, and goes to NYCFC. And when you have a, a program like Colorado under the Cronky Sports and Entertainment umbrella, who can use those financial resources in a league where they're not one of the, the highest spending teams around, but when you can have a transaction where you can slide somebody sideways and get the allocation money brought back in, it can really help clubs like this that have these uh, vertical relationships. And I'm, and I'm, it's intriguing now to, to see how that will help them. Right. Because as you just mentioned down there, they're a club that hasn't really spent. Right. And, and um, we detailed it um, ad nauseum last year, just sort of the bargain basement deals and, and, and getting um, these recycled MLS players and, and getting the most out of them. So now, you know, with a lot of allocation money likely coming their way, what will they do with that, right, going forward? That'll be, I think it'll be interesting. When you look at some of the, the other – you want to go back into the preseason games, Jason? I know that there were some others that were on the board. Uh, you know, we talked about CF Montreal and NYC. They had a 2-2 draw. Uh, Tiago Andrade, Andres Jason, score to give him a 2 and a lead. You look at these two with, with CF Montreal. It's another one of those uh, teams that I think is right there uh, on the edge when you're looking at the, at the playoff bar that can really work their way up a little bit. But once again, it's another full season to get Wolford Nancy's ideas in for CF Montreal in a 2-2 draw. They're another club that I'm intrigued by, certainly. And and, and I loved what he did in, in year one. Um you know, getting as close as they, as they did. Um, so yeah, I really, I'm, I'm excited to see what they, they do in in this second year, um, under him. So, so of like the, you know, Toronto for, as we detailed reasons why, um, and I, and I think Montreal right there as well, I, I think very, uh, they're like a wild card, I think in, in these, I could see them going from like, third fourth to below the table like it's gonna yeah. be it's gonna be a wild one for them out west we, we've talked a lot about the east um you did have a friendly between sporting and colorado scoreless draw colorado's getting ready for Concacaf champions league they've got pretty much their group back they do keep trusty for the first half of the year with seattle with kansas city with colorado played musical chairs at the top of the west last season Going into it right now, who do you think has the uh, the driver's seat right now? Yeah, I mean, I think when you when you get a Rusnak um, and you return about everybody else, right? And knew um, who doing what he's doing in in the African Cup of Nations, right? I, I think you you've got to give the preseason edge to to Seattle. Um, I like some of the some of the work that Sporting has done as well. Um, the, the name escapes me right now, but, but getting a, a, a German um, youth international center back, I'm, I, that could, I mean, again, you know, you never, never know sort of how uh, deals or how players translate to, to a new club, but I'm very, very interested in that one. That, that could be kind of really quietly one of the better deals done um, if this pans out. And he's a guy too, who, who, who's captained, um, the German, I think U twenties, right? And uh I, I think that could be a really big big move for, for them. But uh I, I would say pecking order wise, you I would go Seattle, Colorado, and then sporting in that in that order. They still have the sporting still has to do the work of, to 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 find the response to, to Polito. Um and that's a that's a huge one, right? And I don't 
I don't know if that's going to get done in, in this in this window. So um, that's a big problem. And, and also, I think for me is his lack of rotation also is a concern for me, right? Like where um, you could you could never mind pencil, you could put in a marker kind of his 11 every week, even if it's like a double match week. And um, I think that hurt him late in the year you know, with, with, with a lot of injuries too. So um, yeah, I would put, I would put them in that order and, and you, you know, you can maybe even make arguments for other clubs jumping sporting um, in the West as well. All right. I wanted to save some time for world cup qualifying because this is going on right now, you know, (laughs) a little bit, a little something. Um, Canada are the new overlords of CONCACAF. There's no question about that anymore. Uh, we talked about John Arnold's CONCACAF pressure index, and he has Mexico number one, which I, I agree with. But how much pressure is on the U.S. tomorrow in the – I don't even know what you want to call this thing because it's worse than the frozen tundra in St. Paul. <laughs> the icebox. Um, there – yeah, I mean, I don't think there's job pressure, right, because um, even if they – lose this game you know there's they're still uh they're they're still in in pretty good position to to qualify um but sure there's pressure right like you 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 feel this is a must win um because again as we have talked about before you you don't lessons learned right from from 18 we you don't want to go into that final match you don't want to go in that final group of matches uh you know having to worry about results and that final group of matches is 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 as tricky as CONCACAF gets, right? Like going to Azteca, going to Costa Rica, playing Panama in Orlando, right? So that's you you need to get the business done against an already eliminated Honduras, and then uh, and then feel pretty good about yourselves going into that last window. So uh, I I know the torches are out. I know the hot takes are. Uh, maybe warming up Allianz Field. Uh, right say, we need now. to take the torches and the hot takes to Allianz so they can warm the place up a little bit. Um, but look, I mean, it, I, I, I get, you know, I get it. Look, it's, 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 it's qualifying. It's, it's off of what happened in 18. You know, every result is sort of its own universe of responses. Right. But um, I think, I think there's a lot to take. I think what people kind of fail to remember, right? Like in this is, is you're in MLS preseason. So, so those players aren't already going to be like at, at their peak. Right. Uh, but then again, too, Canada had a lot of MLS play, they had more MLS players. Right. So, uh, and then it's about club form in Europe. And I think the top players for the U S or Canada are playing at a higher level with their club teams and the top players for the U S right. Polistic is struggling. Um, you didn't have the chance to have way certainly there because of the COVID restrictions. So, um, my concern with the U S though is, is within Burhalter's system, it seems, and again, I don't know if it's maybe because of their club form, but there's not like a confidence, right? Like, uh, and I think Matt Doya pointed out great, like, you know, like, you you get into positions where now you want to go forward and attack forward and they're going backwards. They're playing to center backs. Right. And, and that's when you play negatively, I, I think it, it's like a mental thing, right? Like you're not confident in, in making that forward progression. And, and that is what concerns me right now, not in a, in a 
job related kind of situation like like Mexico is in. But I think I think the the lack of confidence in a group and perhaps that also explains the slow starts as well. Right. But yeah. uh, I think that's a concern for me. I think you nailed it. I mean, there's been a lot of talk and whether it's uh, Doyle talking about the positional play, the the system. I, I don't lean as much on that. I think there are some issues in terms of maybe overthinking that. And I, I think Greg has gotten better with it, but it's still in the background. Uh, Hercules Gomez saying that the team is soft. I think it's confidence. I think you nailed it because, look, I, I've studied positional play. That was what Gabriel Heinze was bringing here to town. And you've had various elements of it in Atlanta with Tata Martino and Frank DeBoer as well. Um, and Gonzalo Pineda now, um, Pep Guardiola doesn't really have very boring positional play. You know, they, they like to get forward. They like to score their goals. It's about creating the opportunities to do that. And when those opportunities are presenting themselves, U S players are not taking them. And it's not that the system doesn't allow them to it's, that's where I think sometimes the idea about the system is holding people back is not accurate. They're getting one V one opportunities, which if, if it is a pure positional play system, which is hard to do with a national team, by the way, because it takes repetition. It, it takes time. But if that's what you're going for, they're getting some of those. Yeah. And players aren't taking them or they're not creating the chance out of it. I mean, the El Salvador game, we saw a number of chances. 16 created is a, a really good number in a game. You should get more than a goal out of that. All right. Finishing put that to the side for a second Canada there was no dominance of the game it was nine to six in chances Canada created the better ones you know you didn't have that and so much of it was players turning away is it conditions is it club form is it you know they're they're being shackled by the manager you know is it confidence I think it's confidence I think you nailed it yeah and and you know you you hope you know, maybe after this loss, now... Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They take it to heart, right? Like, they're pissed off, and, and, and they go, and, and, they, and they play with that confidence against a, a Honduran team that obviously doesn't have it right now at all. Right. They, they're in a worse situation certainly than the U S is. And, and, and they're going to come and play physically and they're going to look to counter as well. So um, I think if they can just, um, you know, I don't know, I don't know if they've got a, a psychologist uh, on the staff, but you know, just, just play freely, you know, don't worry about all the outside noise, just go forward and, 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 and play your style. I, I think they 
you know, they, they should be able to win this match. And try not to get frostbite or anything. <laughs> There's that too. When you're in an environment like this, and, and I think that, and we've talked about it, the weather turns into an equalizer here. Mm. I mean, and this was one of the major flaws in the scheduling in this window. It's like we're going to try to make things cold and be in colder climes and all this kind of stuff. But you've turned it into an equalizer because it ain't just cold for the opposition to to speak English goodly and have all of my my proper verb tenses. It ain't just for the opposition. You're out there, too, in that eight to 15 minutes of exposure can be completely and totally unhealthy for you in an environment like this. I think that you've made it worse for yourself and have drawn the opponent closer to you by being in sub-zero temperatures when you're playing a match like this. You, you, you want to take those variables and you want to put them to the side. You can do it just as easily in a Louisville or a Kansas City or a Nashville or someplace like that where you're a superior side. The weather here, I think, is an equalizer. I haven't checked the forecast in any of those places, but uh, and it's I, I can't imagine it's colder, but, I mean, of those locations that you, you mentioned, you know, and, and Jason and I spoke about it last week, you know, you... I think one of the ideas is is about limiting the the fan base for the opposition, right? And we saw that sort of how badly that played out for them in, in the last w- window or the last qualifying uh, with Costa Rica at Red Bull, right? So, John, to 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 your point, you know, like where where would that match be played where you're able to sort of best uh, ensure that you're not going to have a huge Honduran uh, turnout. Right. And, and obviously too, these decisions were made before Honduras was eliminated and struggled. So, True. um, your thought process is let's not have 10, 15,000 Hondurans and, and make it a road match. Right. So, um, I think that takes a lot of the, certainly the warm weather locations out of it. Maybe a Kansas city could, could be, could be thought of, uh, maybe a Cincinnati again, um, could be a possibility, but, um, I think that also went into the thought process with with you know Allianz Field and, and Minnesota maybe limiting that. Yeah, I it could be, and look, maybe the confidence issue is is deeper throughout the federation than just the players on the field because yeah. if you can't sell out a twenty to twenty five thousand seater or at least you know greatly limit tickets ending up in the visiting team's fans' hands. Um, then you got to do a better job in selling this national team. Yep. And and that's down to the Federation. They shouldn't have that worry outside of Mexico playing in a large stadium where you have less control over who's buying the tickets. They should be able to handle that in these twenty to 25,000 seaters. And even if they don't, they should at least keep it two-thirds U.S. and a third whoever. And this team should be good enough to handle those situations. But Fair, 100%. We'll see. I, I I just I really and maybe it is PTSD going back to 2017. I really do worry that tomorrow is going to be a lot harder than it needs to be because of the conditions. Um, the best thing that could happen is an early goal because mm-hmm. Honduras doesn't want to play anyway. They don't want to be out there in five degrees, zero degree, whatever it is. And if you get an early goal, then they're going to have no energy, no anything. And you can just ride the thing out, build a bonfire in front of the goal if you need to. They might need to with the, with the weather. <laughs> yeah, it's it's insane. I mean, the field's heated. It, it'll That'll hopefully help. Um, but 
it's just it's such a weird situation to be in. Um, John Arnold, for just for people who are wondering on that CONCACAF pressure index, uh, he had the U.S. third in this. Uh, he had um, Costa Rica second, which I get because they, they have to get a win to, to stay alive. So a little bit different conversation. Um, I don't think the U.S. fan base would agree with that. I think they'd probably put the U.S. first with a bullet. <laughs> That's the beauty of hot takes, right? And and uh, and, and yeah. Twitter. Yeah, it is. It is. I am not going to have uh, Twitter open anywhere watching the game tomorrow <laughs> because I want no Great part good. of any of it. No. Uh, Dylan, thanks for the time. Uh, next week, uh, we'll be able to talk about a Atlanta United match down in Mexico against mm-hmm. a second division opponent. Um, I'll be down in Guadalajara to call that nice. one. Um, nice little trip. It'll be warm. It'll be exciting. I'll come back here and it'll get cold again. Yay. Uh, we'll have a lot more games to talk about. Maybe some more moves because I, I think there's still just so many teams that are incomplete at this stage. And they're going to have to either make some trades or bring in some guys from South America and get some of these deals over the line. And Champions League. Oh, yeah. That's going to be, what, a week away when we talk next week? Yeah. yeah. Man, it's getting hectic. Thanks, Dylan. <laughs> I appreciate it. All right, guys. Be good. We'll see you soon. Make sure you're following Dylan. Dylan underscore Butler on your social media platforms. Um, John, you now have to tell us about our good friends over at Eliminize right now. Provider free, clean, fresh air. Eliminize Service is the place that you need to go. Eliminize Service, proud sponsors of everything SDH. Deodorizing enclosed spaces like houses, apartments, and condos. They've created a customized solution that eliminizes all organic odors like pet cigarettes or food. Any odors that you have like that around the house. Realtors and property managers use Eliminize Service to eliminize bad odors to help them sell or rent their homes that much faster. It's a turnkey process that makes it easy to work with realtors and property managers, kind of the environment, a very green way to get rid of odors without any kind of toxic residue, different than our favorite masking agents that we have under the sink, like Febreze and spray bottles like that. It's a proven scientific formula that that destroys odor down to the molecule, pricing very easy, either parts per million or cubic feet to come up with a price that's affordable for you, offering results in 24 hours or less. If you have any other questions, Reach out to our friends at Eliminize on their website, E-L-I-M-I-N-I-Z-E dot com slash Atlanta. The slash Atlanta is crucial so they know what part of the world that you are reaching out to them from. And if you reach out to them this month, there might be a bit of a discount in it for you. If you check out everything at Eliminize Service. Eliminize.com slash Atlanta. Proud sponsors of everything SDH for odor-free clean. Fresh air. All right, I am riding the gain on my mic because uh, I, I don't know if they're trying to uh, bring a wood chipper out next to the window or uh, a leaf blower person is standing in one place and making a bunch of noise. So if it has been loud at times, I apologize. There's only so much I can do <laughs> trying to ride this thing out because, man, it, it started early and it's still going. Yeah, that's, that's the beauty of... Uh of uh, crews that come and they want to to blow leaves and do all of the the stuff in and around your house because they show up right before you start to do something and they'll finish right after you think you're done. Oof. Yeah, it's good timing. Um, okay. Uh, we're going to get into some questions from you guys in the last half hour of the show. 
Uh, but some news on the board that I wanted to touch on this morning. Um, Milton Valenzuela, former Columbus crew left back. They were talking about trying to bring him back. Uh, Independiente was rumored to be trying to sign him as well with uh, fake money, I guess. But he is going to go to FC Lugano. He signed there. So the Swiss Super League gets Milton Valenzuela. Um, okay. Uh, Columbus, that's... Their back line, it's, it's not quite in Toronto territory for me, but I do have some questions about what they look like defensively. And Columbus is one of those teams that we had high expectations for last year coming off the championship. They didn't make the playoffs. It is the next year after a bad year in Caleb Porterland. That is usually a good year. Uh, I don't know if they're set up to have that just yet. I'm, I'm still a little confused by how they are. They are... Uh, not quite as strong as some of the rest, in my opinion, in the East. Other preseason games uh, that we didn't have a chance to dig into. Uh, New England and LAFC drew 1-1. Adam Buxa with a goal for the Revs. Mamadou Fall, uh, late penalty for LAFC. Uh, Chicago and Minnesota, scoreless draw. First half was mostly first-team guys. Casper Shabilko did play for Chicago. D.C. 1-0 over Miami in Fort Lauderdale. Jackson Hopkins, academy midfielder, got the goal. Uh, a little bit of a bounce back um, or a, a bounce back down to earth for Miami after their 4-0 win over Universitario. That was behind closed doors. Not a ton of information there. So those games are going to start to pick up. Um, I'm with everybody else uh, that I have talked to not liking the idea that these games that are streamed are geo-blocked to the team's local home area. I don't know why that is. I've never heard a, a reasonable explanation. Um, I, I can tell you that there's a lot of people that I know and deal with on a regular basis who, you know, make these things happen and are not a fan of that specific uh, rule. And they've tried to find ways around it. And it's just, it's a league thing. Um, I do don't know if it has anything to do with broadcast. I can't see that it would. These are streams. I don't get it. I think it's a big mistake on, on MLS's part, and I hope it's something that, that goes away very soon. I hoped it would go away this season. It doesn't. Um, there are ways to work around that if you are uh, somewhat savvy with the technology. John would not be able to figure them out, but I, I have uh, good faith in most of you yes, being I, able I would to be the one asking out. for advice and then probably screwing up the advice e going HTTP colon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that um, you wouldn't understand what the advice that people would give you is. Uh, sure. It's out there. You don't have to look too hard. You, you can, you can work around these. Things something I can to. control C control V and then I'm good. No, you, you're no, no, no. Yeah, you're never going to be able to watch these games. Um, NWSL, they have a collective bargaining agreement with the Players Union, uh, first ever in women's professional soccer in this country, uh, in the third league attempt. Uh, the CBA runs through 2026, introduces free agency beginning in 2023, minimum salary uh, raised by 60% to $35,000 a year. 4% annual increases, a uh, range of health and wellness benefits, five-year term for the CBA, uh, the full document not quite available yet, but that major bump in the league minimum salary and the free agency are the big things. Uh, free agency will start in 23 for players with a minimum of six years of service. Uh, number will drop to five years in 24. 
restricted free agency will start in 24 for players who have played for three years in the NWSL. That's something that, that MLS has not introduced yet is a you know, unrestricted and restricted free agent setup. Uh, most leagues, I think, have that. NWSL will have that to start with their free agency. MLS might take notes. Um, protections for waived players, improvements in player safety, six months paid mental health leave is being reported in this. Uh, also, no more playing on fields that require substantial conversion to the dimensions of a soccer field. That's wildly vague, and I don't know exactly what that's going to entail, but okay. I think it was uh, Kansas Kansas City and O.L. Reign had already mentioned that they were moving away from their the baseball facilities into soccer facilities, but I, I think that what they want them it to be playing in are those you know, when we think of a soccer facility, it's a soccer pitch and it's not a reconfigured baseball. Yeah, that's 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 a that's a great thing to hope for. Um, there's some markets where that's going to limit a club's viability or existence. So USL teams have, have gone the baseball route because for some of those markets, it makes sense. And we've seen some have it work. OK, um, others haven't. I in a perfect world, yeah. And, and Rain's going to play at, at, at a Lumen Field now. Okay, that's that, that's awesome. Probably pretty expensive. Mm -hmm. They've got money. So, okay, that's good. Not every team can do that. Uh, Kansas City got it worked out now to play at Children's Mercy Stadium, or Park Stadium, um, where sporting plays. That was an issue at first. I think some people were very angry with sporting over that. And it's a facility that they built. They can't just give it away out of the kindness of their hearts. You know, like there is a business component to it. So it sounds like now that has gotten worked out and they will play there. That's good. Rent for the stadium's good. Like I understand the concept. I get it. I, and, and I'm with it. And we've talked about this with Yankee stadium for a long time. Some of these other baseball parks have not been as bad as Yankee stadium has been, by the way, you can get a wider pitch and, and it can be much more workable. I mean, even cool Ray field was a much better setup than the Yankee stadium for Atlanta United two in 2018, but it is going to make it difficult in some markets. It, it is going to make it possibly a problem for some markets to work. So just, that's the trade-off and, and we'll see. How it goes. Um, we'll see where the money is in the NWSL and where the business side is. I would I would have made that a little bit more of a aim as opposed to a no more. But we'll see. We'll see how that works out. Because, I mean, there are some markets that would want an NWSL franchise. And if you're looking for a, a facility that seats something, say, in the mid-teens or something in that area, you know, 10,000 and above, the only place could be a baseball park from yeah. a minor league facility. And so then what are you going to do? You, you know, you try to sit there and see if there's a local college that can just do don't exist, like that. but yeah, they don't exist. And so it could, it could restrain your ideas for trade and possible expansion into key markets that would show that the NWSL could be viable there. But because of this notion that you have to be away from baseball facilities, you're kind of restricting yourself. And I would I would take it as a, literally as a case by case basis, have that yeah, as an idea. But it, it seems a bit restrictive coming out of the blocks like that. Yeah, I'd have the, the aim of not being in those long term. But in some markets, that might be the starting point. That might be the uh, training wheels 
kind of set up to get things underway before a stadium is built or before you can actually build one yourself um, as Kansas City is, is working to do down the road. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. There's a time and a place. But yeah, it's not where you want to be long term, I don't think. Although USL hasn't really made this statement. USL is okay. Like Memphis, for example. Um, plenty of others that New Mexico okay. and El Paso. Yeah. And New Mexico's tried to build their own place. But if that's where you are for now, that's where you are. And there's not at least publicly the pressure of you have to get out, you have to get out, you have to get out. It can work in some venues. It doesn't work as well in others. I just would be a little worried about if say a market comes to the fore with a good owner and they want to get started and that's the best venue they have to get started before they grow into their own venue or pay more in rent to go somewhere else. And they can't, that could not be a good situation for the league. So we'll see. We'll see. And maybe look, it's more flexible than it is. That was uh, from the athletic article about it. And it wasn't a quote from the CBA. It was, you know, somebody looking or hearing and and putting that. So let's maybe there's a little more wiggle room there. I, I would just be a little more flexible because I think they need to be. I think frankly, they need to be because the NWSL has to regain momentum. You know, it's, it's, this offseason has been turbulent. I, I think as much as anything, it's just the rosters. You know, it's hard to follow where everybody is right now. Um, you're going to start with a Challenge Cup. Then you're going to have your season. You have more competition worldwide than ever before. Lindsey Horan going back to Europe, going back to France. Um, it's a challenge. And, and we'll see where this goes. Look at, uh, look at, look at this guy coming back in and and having actually done some work before he rejoins the show. I'm, I'm very much appreciative of this. Uh, let me get his theme music for when he returns. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, shout out to Mile High, who keeps just churning out stunningly good content. Yeah. We are not worthy of. No, we're not. That's where this came from. Mile High just like put this together one night and um, it made my day. I laughed for a good hour about it. So thank you, Mile High. <laughs> just glad you figured out how to put a uh, picture in there. You know what? One Every now and then a blind squirrel finds an acorn. Um, and we're not talking about the squirrel team from last night. No. No, God, no. Um, no, we're not. We're not doing that. That was. They're in Andorra. You, you can look it up, um, or, or ask Ricky Ricardo about it. He likes the squirrel team a lot. 
We're going to um, end up picking the squirrel team every week just out of spite. You know, they they got to have more competitive games. Though. They're playing a team that hasn't won in 13. It matters. It does. It Ricky's going to make it happen. No, I, I Mason just doesn't want me to cut another promo for winning the week and picks of the week. No, I just want you to actually use like proper cliches next time instead of making up your own in midstream. Like gives, Ricky, Mile, gives Mile High more content. Ricky's mm. gonna Ricky's gonna treat every single picks of the week like he's playing spades and claiming nil books, and he's just gonna try and make somebody burn that. Uh, he's make somebody try and burn that veto until it gets to Sunday where he can fire off a squirrels game. There's strategy into this. There's there's something in this, that's for sure. Um, all right. Let's get into some other news before we get into questions in the last half hour of the show. Uh, Sven Botman was linked a lot of times in the window to Newcastle. Couldn't get done. He spoke to Dutch outlet Zigo Sport last night, and he said that he would be leaving Lille in the summer. He said that he could confirm that Newcastle and Milan both made concrete offers this winter. Both were good options for me. I was ready to take that extra step, but I will continue at Lille. These will be my last months in Lille. Uh, his comment on Newcastle United was, quote, very nice project. And his comment on, oh, he also said that, quote, nice to be a part of that. And Milan is, quote, a beautiful club. I don't know if that shows which way he's leaning or not. I'm not sure. Uh, Turkish media is reporting that one of the managers that I think we forget about sometimes out there uh, waiting to jump back on the carousel, Yogi Love, is going to take the Fenerbahce job at the end of the season. That is being reported by Haber Global. Jared, I thought Yogi Love might end up in a bigger league than Turkey. Yeah, I thought so too. Um, maybe this is his uh, maybe this is renovation. Like we are in the first 20 minutes of a, of an episode of fixer upper for him. And, you know, he found a little ranch on the edge of Waco and he's going to start it here and then work his way back up. Maybe so. Maybe so. Um, I didn't think he needed that though. It it was so weird because he'd been in the national team side of things for so long. It was a little hard to project what it would look like for him at a club again. We'll see what happens at Fenerbahce. Uh, we've talked a lot about Germany with George Bello now at Armenia Bielefeld. Um, Mönchengladbach is playing Armenia Bielefeld this weekend, and it could be the last chance for Adi Hutter, their manager. Um, at one point, he was the most expensive head coach last spring in the world, um, which is crazy. 7.5 million euro, um, according to reports. I, I think maybe there's some managers got more under the table, but anyway. Nico Kovac, who was recently let go in France, is waiting in the wings, according to reports. Um, Gladbach plays Bielefeld on February 5th. They play Augsburg on February 2nd, or February 12th. If they don't get results there, they could be in the relegation spots, because those are two teams that are behind them in the relegation battle. Uh, Losses or, or draws will put them right in the middle of this relegation fight. And German tabloids are reporting, uh, Sport Build is reporting that nobody is saying anything from the Gladbach side of things, but Nico Kovac is ready to jump in if needed. Hmm. Gladbach's been an absolute mess lately. And they were not expected to be a mess coming in. Uh, 
burned on our, our discord has and, and on the Twitch pitch as well has talked a lot about some of the, the crazy musical chairs that happened in Germany over the last six to eight months. And Gladbach is the one who I think really lost out in that game of musical chairs because they are not where they were last year. And this move for Hutter has not worked. I mean, right now you look at the standings and then Munchen Gladbach is in 12th. They've lost two in a row. They've lost three of five. And you know, we mentioned Bielefeld. Bielefeld's only a point behind it. And the thing about Munchen Gladbach is they're only three points out of the relegation playoff spot. So you know, you're used to seeing a name like Borussia Munchen Gladbach, you know, chasing after European uh, European competitions, but right now they're in a relegation fight, and that's something that I would have never thought of with uh, this club. So, I mean, to to stretch this out a little bit, because Johannes absolutely accurate. Um, Wolfsburg's a bigger mess. Gladbach's a big mess. Um, <laughs> the level of mess with those two, with, with Hertha, who's in 13th, but also on 22, it's so tight, even up to 11 with Balkum. Grother Firth put them to the side. They're on 10. They're going to go back down. Stuttgart is getting relegated right now on 18 points. Everybody's played 20 matches. Augsburg is in the playoff match at 19 points. Wolfsburg is on 21 points. Bielefeld is on 21 points. Bielefeld has had a, a nice uptick in their results lately. Wolfsburg has been the opposite. Hertha's on 22 Gladbach's on 22. Balkum's on 24. That's six points separating, what, seven teams. 11th to 17th, which is a relegation spot. The bottom end of the Bundesliga is going to be one of the more fascinating watches over the rest of this season. Um, the top end, maybe not. Bayern's got a six-point cushion over Dortmund then Leverkusen's all the way back eight points behind Dortmund probably mostly decided but that bottom end of the league with the relegation spots and now with all the Americans in these spots is going to be really interesting yeah for me it's it's going to be legitimately and this is no lie after the announcement happened yesterday after we were off the air I instantly went to the store and, uh, for our meeting. we're talking about the table and john's talking about going to buy stuff i'm going to buy gear because i'm going to be paying attention to this stuff and you want to show your uh, yeah, support yeah. for george bellow and things like that but no it's it's going to be must-see tv because there are times where we're drawn to to relegation scraps in the in the premier league because you know you can watch all that kind of stuff but now no you because see- you love angling that's why it is well uh, how much sky sports news did you watch yesterday tell practically, me. practically all of it how so, long was it on like from eight to seven it was on it it was on in the room starting at eight o'clock here in office hd it was on during the show so when you see me look to my left that's what i'm looking at i'm looking at the crawl as we're on the air trying to see if i'm missing anything he's waiting to see who's signing in uh league one yes actually for my uh for my uh for my dons at afc wimbledon yeah stay afloat in league one but uh, literally it was on the entire time uh, full disclosure, left for about an hour for the site survey for our high school doubleheader tonight and caught up with the folks over there. But it was still on here in Office HD when I got back and right up to soccer over there at 7 o'clock. So 11 hours of Sky Sports 
deadline day special from our friends at Peacock was on an office HD the entire time. If you could figure out how to have a, a satellite dish that would pick this stuff up, you, you would. But you oh, in the old days, of course out. I would do that. I but mean, you wouldn't was, be able to figure that part out. Yeah, so. I, I, in the in the old days when uh, we actually had satellite dishes and things like that, one of the places that I worked at, I could work the satellite dish to either watch the CBC Olympic coverage or watch Sky News because they'd be on random transponders. And you sit there and it's like, okay, Satcom F4 Transponder 1. You wait the 30 minutes for the, the dish to rotate and it locks in and you're sitting there watching the whole thing. I just picture this like watching like watching them in MASH trying to trying to like connect to like any one of the forward lines or back home. <laughs> John standing on a roof somewhere with rabbit ears. Of no, course. Absolutely. I was, the, I was the kid who geeked out in the early days of cable television when we got to watch Chattanooga TV. <laughs> when it was only two through 13 and channel seven was reserved for one thing or another. And you could watch like uh, news or sports out of Chattanooga on channel seven, you slide the bar and you, you sit there and you watch that stuff when HBO was channel six. Oh yeah, that's how I was. <sighs> yeah, um, good. Good on Johannes. Was watching the German Sky Sports version. Uh, made sure that got the shoutouts for Atlanta United with the Bellow talk. Very cool. Very cool. Um, we we tried to wait till the official announcement <laughs> yesterday, and I, I thought it was going to take longer after you got the Fabrizio Romanos and and the rest of them. Like, okay, the official announcement's going to be later than this. Five minutes after we go off the air, after we'd stayed on for an extra hour, it gets announced. So absolutely good timing with all of that. Um, let's get into Spain for a minute because it's always ridiculous. Uh, Barcelona is usually at the head of the table with the ridiculousness. Uh, they are again today. Um, Aubameyang is going to be the one who is left out of the Europa League roster. It seems like it could be Adama Traore who's left out. They can only add three to their UEFA um, roster for Europa League. They've added four players that they would probably like to add to this roster. Um, Danny Alves is going to be in it, according to Javi Miguel. Uh, Federan Torres is a no-brainer. And it's going to be one of Aubameyang or Adama Traore. I still keep waiting for some update that they have messed up the whole Aubameyang thing and he's not going to get signed. But it, nothing yet. Uh, reportedly, Arsenal signed off on the... Uh, whatever was needed to terminate his contract at Arsenal. So he would be signing as a free agent, which they can do here at any point. And they'll be able to register him with La Liga somehow, I guess. I don't know. Um, they tried really hard to get rid of Usman Dembele. He wouldn't go anywhere. Um, he just wouldn't. And PSG was linked. Uh, Tottenham, Arsenal at one point. And this just shows you about the Aubameyang thing, Jared. We talked about Ramsey yesterday and how he can't be the biggest move of the window if Juventus is basically paying for him to leave. Uh, Aubameyang was wanted out even more because at one point, as Jared runs away from this conversation, at one point, Barcelona was going to send Dembele to Arsenal for Aubameyang. Yep. It was going to be a, a straight swap. And Arsenal's like, nah, we don't even need we don't even need a Dembele. Just here, take Aubameyang. Get yep. him out of here, please. Uh, you can keep Dembele. And now Xavi's got to figure out what to do with Dembele because the conversation was if he doesn't go or he doesn't renew his contract, he's going to sit in the stands for the rest of the year. Good times for Xavi. I mean, Jarrett, this is this is turning into something where, uh, like I said, I'm still waiting for the paperwork to be messed up. But now this is... 
does Xavi sit in Bellet? Does he sit in the stands? Does he in street clothes for the remainder of the year? I mean, Jared, this one is it's another subplot that's going to be fun. It's interesting if for no other reason you have Bayern, uh, Barcelona, Bayern, Jesus, uh, Barcelona out here like creating new ways to bring people in that like, it's it's the most creative get across the get across the bridge without touching the lava game as a kid that I've ever seen. It's outstanding. Um, does it come back to bite them down the road? Who's to say? That's one we all have to figure out together, and that's part of the game. I think they'll be okay ultimately. But it's very interesting watching them come up with some Calvin Ball ways to get stuff done because they're kind of in that situation. But they're only four points out of ninth, too. I mean, right now, Bill and Vallecano are 8-9 at 31 points. Barcelona's fifth at uh, 35, and you know, I know that they're unbeaten in their last five, but, I mean, there's no there's no breathing room here. Uh, they're only a point, above, a point behind Atleti, but ninth place is, is right over their shoulder. Yeah, I mean, but when you look at what they can actually spend, and I was trying to pull up the list to see where they were in that because it, it relates to a question from Sean Vergard. Jared Smith's internet is terrible. Yeah, it is. We, we own one of those days. Yeah, yeah, man, it's ridiculous. Um, La Liga's spending, remember, what they do is it's not a, a, a salary cap to create parity like MLS does. It is about sustainability. And Barcelona's wage bill got slashed by uh, what about 300 million um and it's about 600 it's it's reduced to 97 million euro and that you have some wiggle room to go above that and then you get penalized etc cetera, etc cetera. so they're not much above that it went from 382 to 97 million in one year because of how bad their situation yeah. was and how many years they had been over which it it punishes you too. Uh, Real Madrid, just for comparison's sake, 97 million is the limit for Barcelona. 739 million euro is the limit for Real Madrid. <laughs> so, like, yeah, you can point and say, well, they're only a few points out of ninth. Well, their spending is seventh in La Liga. So, yeah, they probably are about where they should be. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's great. The La Liga setup is, is, like all the all these things with financial fair play and these kinds of limits, all it is is to ensure that the, the big boys stay the big boys and everybody else stays where they are. Absolutely. That's all it is. No doubt. Um, England's the, the top six in England are furiously taking notes of this concept. Uh, they've no, they've tried. They, they've tried to, but then you have so much money coming in, like a Newcastle, to different conversation. Um, also, another reason why Barcelona's got issues is uh, Joan Laporta spoke to the media this morning, and there are situations from their investigations when they took over the club that are going to uh, the authorities, the transfers of Griezmann and Malcolm are currently under criminal investigation. Several payments were made to family members of the players and lawyers. The investigation tries to clarify the legality of these disbursements and if they constitute a crime. Laporta talked about how under the previous administration uh, led by Mr. Bartomeu, um, huge commissions paid to family members, to lawyers, to agents in these signings. And yeah, I mean, stuff's being recommended to, to the authorities to look at. There was some criminal activity to some degree. Uh, there was, it was also talked about today by Laporta that the club under the previous administration was paying media members to give them favorable coverage. 
There were media members who were on the payroll, all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's just that last administration made bad decisions plenty of times, but it is very possible that they made criminal decisions as well, which is a whole different topic. Uh, Real Madrid is in the news on a couple of fronts. One we talked about a little bit last night. Um, Legends, the uh, experiential services agency, Legends, has struck a 25-year commercial partnership with Real Madrid. They're going to manage non-sporting events at the Santiago Bernabeu Stadium. They have other relationships with Real Madrid as well. They're doing a lot with their retail, too. Um, Vos Populi, the Spanish news outlet, is saying that Legends is expecting to bring in annual revenues of between 400 million euro to 440 million euro. That's about $450 million to about $500 million. Um, That's going to come in through the agreement. The agency, Legends, will receive 20%. Real Madrid had been earning about $168 million per year from this area of the business uh, prior to the pandemic. So they're expecting that to go up by a lot. Um, Legends will be able to put on various events, music concerts, business trade shows, conferences at the Bernabeu. If Legends makes good on their projections, if they're accurate, Real Madrid will net in excess of $11 billion over the course of the contract. You know, that like 760 whatever million in their cap, their spending limit, that's going to go up. Um, Real Madrid's in the middle of redeveloping the venue. Uh, They're going to do a retractable roof on it, premium hospitality zones. Uh, they're going to ensure that the playing surface is unaffected during non-soccer use with a retractable pitch. Uh, work is not expected to be completed until the end of this year. They got a loan, uh, $250 million to fund this redevelopment in December. Um, they'd initially gotten a loan of about $640 million from J.P. Morgan and Bank of America in 2019 for this project. They've worked with Legends since 2018. Legends took on the retail operation for the club in 2020. Legends is growing really fast, and Real Madrid could be a big driver for that, and they'll benefit too. $11 billion over 25 years they could make from this. Four, I mean, that's what, 400 plus a year over 25 years in added revenue? I don't trust your math, but I don't want you to hurt yourself trying to do it. 444. That's fine. That's good. But I mean, once again, it's like you're coming out of the, the, you know, po- coming into the post pandemic economy and you're trying to find ways to augment and maximize revenue, trying to find those other revenue streams. And we mentioned NFTs and things like that. And, uh, yeah, they're gonna make a lot more money with this than they will through some NFTs. But I mean, just you know, it, trying to look at, trying to figure out other ways to to be marketable. And League One to, teams are trying to sell some NFTs to to bring in some extra revenue. I got like seven bucks on me. Yeah, yeah, you might be able to get one from AFC Wimbledon for that. Yeah, thank you. As a member of the Don's Trust, I will accept that. You might get a discount right here on the wall. Sure, but no, it's no, just thinking it, put an NFT on the wall. But anyway, go ahead. But yeah, I, I look at it this way, where you're trying to find ways to find more revenue coming out of the pandemic and have the post-pandemic economy and you see stuff like this from Real Madrid, they're ahead of the curve. I want to see what other big clubs or what other clubs really 
want to try to figure out other ways to be marketable. I think that you're going to have to be you're going to have to be nimble about it. You know, I think you're going to have to think in three dimensions about it. And I think it's it's going to be interesting for me to see what other ways other big clubs are going to see what they're seeing from Real Madrid. And Jared, all right, what are what are these folks going to do? What is this club going to do? And I think it's going to be interesting to see how this grows and evolves with something like this being the first one that comes across our bow. We'll see how everyone adjusts. Um, that's always the thing is somebody is going to be first cross. And then once they get across the line without getting lit up, you know, how do how do people how do people follow suit? What happens when someone gets lit up? And then how do people adjust? Because it's always adjustments, it's always making small changes to stay one step ahead. Um, hell, let's compare it to the doping scandal of the Tour de France. It was always, we have a new way to test uh, doping. Great. That, that'll catch what they were doing two years ago. They've already moved on. Well, Real Madrid's just catching up to what venues in this country are doing. I mean, honestly, like, yeah. you know, we, we've seen the multi-use part of venues be a critical component in building these new behemoths. Uh, we see it here in Atlanta with Mercedes-Benz Stadium. You, you see it with any new stadium that's getting built. It's not just about whatever team is playing a number of games in it. It's about all the other things that can bring in money and they're critical and that's at every scale. I mean, we've had this conversation um, at CHI Memorial in Chattanooga and the things they're trying to use that stadium for they're outside of just Red Wolves games. And we see it here at Mercedes Benz. So La Liga is just catching up in that regard. One thing that they did not catch up on with Real Madrid, and this is beyond stupid. uh, Carlo Ancelotti's coaching license expired on December 31st. Um, it's stupid and he didn't do anything wrong here. It's, it's stupid because of, uh, UEFA being stupid. Um, Ancelotti last October did his necessary course to renew his license under the auspices of the Spanish football federation. Cause that's where he was working. Passed it. No problem. I mean, it's Carlo Ancelotti. I think he's going to pass the coaching course. The problem is UEFA requires that the course has to be done with the Italian Football Federation. This is freaking Carlo Ancelotti. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to take his course from Spain, and he has to do it with Italy. They're going to get it done this week ahead of the Copa del Rey match, because if they don't, then he should not be allowed on the touchline. In Italy, people are rioting about this as they should um indignation that Ancelotti's having to go through this uh alessandro alciado went nuts on social media about it because it's incredibly stupid the guy has worked over 1200 top level games he doesn't need to renew his license to be able to be on the touchline it's carlo Ancelotti, people and he even did do the course to renew his license it was just in a different country where he was working at the time yeah idiots so stupid you'd think but once again i'm sorry that i'm putting that verb in here or that act of that action that you would think that the idea that someone that is of the coaching knowledge and history and everything that carlo ancelotti has done it's not like it's not like a book at the library, you know, where you're just going to like not return it. You're going to do whatever it is to make sure that you're going to stay employable. 
But because of the bureaucracy that's attached, no, you did it in the wrong country. Are you blanking kidding me on this? This doesn't surprise me because of bureaucracy being what it can be at times in, in sport. But it's Carlo Ancelotti. He's not just going to sit there and go, you know, nah, I don't want to. I don't want to make sure that my license is good to go. No, I'm I'm not going to do it anymore. It's just it, it gives it gives you a migraine sometimes when you're trying to figure out just how bureaucracy is bureaucracy at times. But that's just <laughs> idiot. Yeah. Idiotic. All of that. All of the above. Uh, questions um, from the Twitch pitch. We will finish with these. Uh, Jared, I will throw this one at you first from Sean Vergara. If Arsenal doesn't finish in the top four, should Mikel Arteta be gone? Should he? Uh, maybe. Will he? Probably. I never really know how to predict. I feel like Arsenal is um, its like a snake you've never seen before. I don't really know how to deal with it. I generally just walk away. It's the same philosophy as like a crocodile. There's like the, the body length rule with like a saltwater crocodile. Like if you're within a body length, uh, that crocodile's body length, then you are in a danger zone. If you just walk away, walk at a diagonal angle, you're fine. Kind of how I'm I, with Arsenal. I do kind of, not in any way think. Distance. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a mess. I, I don't think in any way he should be fired if they don't finish top four because I don't think they have a top four level team. Right. And, I, I think this is a huge factor that comes into these coaching conversations that just gets left out of it at times. It's, you know, ah, well, the results or, ah, well, whatever we think the team should be. Arsenal's not the fourth best team in the league in terms of talent. They're not. I think Manchester United is, um, yes. who's currently in fourth. Uh, I think Arsenal's behind that. Um, they are plus eight in goal differential. If you're looking at it over 21 games, they've got games in, in hand on teams ahead of them too. Um, they've only lost one of their last five. Like the, I, the overreaction that happens around some of these clubs, it's getting worse. And look, it's probably just the nature of where sports will be going forward. I, I don't know what's ever going to change that. If you're a big ish club and it's probably happening everywhere, but we hear about it more with the bigger clubs. Expectations get out of whack really fast. Um, Arsenal in sixth is probably about where they should be right now. Can they get to fifth? Yeah. Could they surprise us and get to fourth? Yeah, they absolutely can. They're two points out. They got a game in hand on Manchester United. But I don't think there should be the demand that they get to fourth for him to keep his job. That's the part that I just, I don't think they're the fourth best team. I think anything above sixth is good job Mikel Arteta and I think we've seen enough from Arteta to have a safe belief that he will be a good good manager as he continues to gain experience I would not get rid of him if I was Arsenal but it's Arsenal so they might do it tomorrow because it's just what they do um, I hope they're smarter we asked the, we asked the famous question if you get rid of him what are you gonna, who are you bringing in uh, that's the part that nobody ever thinks about on the outside when they're yelling. And it's the part that some clubs don't think about when they make these snap judgments. I would like to think that would be the reason why you don't make a move here, but the re it should be, he's doing about what he should be doing with the team that he has. You'd love to get more out of him, but he's not failing the level of talent he has. 
you know, Wolfsburg and, and Gladbach to go back to the Bundesliga are failing the level of talent they have. They should be higher in the table based off the level of talent. Okay, that's that's you got to look at the manager there. When you are where you should be, or you're ahead of where you should be based off your talent level, it's not the manager's fault if you're not higher than that. Like that's that doesn't make sense. Um, Jason Nix, do we think the missing international guys will be going to Mexico? They leave Friday slash Saturday. No, they're leaving today. I think um, they're training all week in Mexico. Uh, I know they're there tomorrow so i don't know if they left last night or if they leave today um because they're doing virtual media availability tomorrow and friday i believe so yeah the international guys will join them in mexico i mean that's just how it'll go they're, they're not going to come here and not join the team so uh miles robinson the venezuelans joseph and, and hernandez Lennon is, is already with the group so he'll go um I did see that Santiago Sosa is going to speak to the media. So I'm assuming he's making the trip and at some level of training, I think that's a good sign that he's speaking to the media. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's just how it'll go. That's, that's how it's going right now for all the MLS teams, uh, the international guys, when their international duties done after Wednesday's games and CONCACAF Tuesday and comma ball, will go to wherever the team is training. Um, I just saw that Zachary Brogiard of Montreal is joining the Canadian national team in San Salvador. They're playing El Salvador tomorrow. Must have been an injury to Larea or somebody else on the right side. So Montreal is in Florida training. He's going to El Salvador, going to come back to Florida to rejoin the group. That's just the nature of it right now. Uh, Jared, you might be able to help Modiflow with this one. Um, if you have not seen, uh, and we talked about it last night, the biggest game in South America tonight is Peru hosting Ecuador. The uh, Peruvian fans, I don't think this is an official effort, uh, are resorting to witchcraft to try to ensure a win for the Peruvians. And Modiflow wants to know, when dealing with witchcraft, what must you do to escape? Ooh, depends on the witchcraft, I think. Um, not all witchcraft yeah. is created the same. I'm not you myself in trouble thinking. I'm not either. And that's the thing is you don't want to apply uh, you don't want to apply like some voodoo from the Shufalaya Basin to Peruvian witchcraft. That's that's how you get problems. That's yeah. how that's how like stuff gets curdled. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't have any advice other than to uh, consult someone who is of uh, Peruvian persuasion perhaps, or has experience with the curses, maybe someone who has had their soul damned for 5,000 years by a Peruvian witchcraft. I mean, what I told Modiflo was that you put up a mirror toward the, the witch to deflect the spell because, you know, you sit there and it bounces back at them. If you put the mirror up, if it's headed directly at you, you put the mirror up, it bounces off the mirror and heads back to its source. Jarrett, how, uh, how fast would John get infected with a, a spell with that tactic? Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No John would either get infected almost immediately or not at all somehow. Like, there's just, there, there's Who's the clip of. There's the clip of uh, our Lord and Savior, Ian McShane, and I think it's the Hercules movie that was really bad, where he's, like, convinced that he is, like, that, like, death is awaiting him. It's his destiny to die, and he keeps standing there expecting to die. That, I think that would be John, like, running out into a field of arrows With a mirror. where the arrow volley is coming, and he just stands there, arms wide open, and nothing hits him, and John somehow does not get hit. So John's either getting hit immediately or not at all. There's no middle ground here. <laughs> I don't think the mirror tactic is going to work. I don't think spells go in a straight line. No, but uh, El Modiflo does have a point. He said that I would avoid damnation, but I would drink the water and get a parasite. That's probably true. Uh, that, that, that's that's pretty that's, that's That's an avoidable issue. Uh, KFC wants to know if Atlanta United will sign an Argentine league player this week or two. Um, I don't know if two players or uh, in the next two weeks. Uh that's means what it sounds like, you know, with the exclusive option on Tiago Almada, with the talk, although there hasn't been any follow up on it, on Luca Martinez at Rosario Central. Um, I mean, if I'm guessing where the one or two additions that Atlanta United's probably going to make before the season starts would come from, Argentina is a, the best bet because of what we know. But there hasn't really been a lot of noise either way about it in a while. Um, Almada, you got the exclusive option, and Martinez at Rosario Central was scouted, and it's been pretty quiet since. So if I had to guess yes, Kefsi, I, I think you'll see it sooner rather than later, but I don't really know if there's anything else bubbling up because, look, we've we've seen this before with Atlanta United where it's quiet, it's quiet, 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 and then all of a sudden, right before news breaks, you start to hear it from really other countries or, or journalists elsewhere that something is coming. So I, I don't know. I, we could all be surprised. Uh, burned. I uh, had a chance to listen to the Jack Collison interview um, on the podcast network said, where do you, where does he go next year when the USL team goes away? Assistant to Pineda groomed a successor. If when Pineda goes to Cruz Azul, et cetera. I mean, he'd still be with Atlanta United too, because just because they're not going to be in USL, they're going to be in MLS Next Pro. There's going to be an Atlanta United 2. There's going to be a second team as part of the club. Um, I don't know what changes with MLS Next Pro, but the the job isn't going away. So I, I don't I don't think there's any expectation that he would move yet. Um, could things change? Absolutely. Could one of the assistants, you know, that is currently on the first team staff get hired somewhere? Absolutely. That could happen. Could he move up to that? Yes. Um, I think, Jack will be a successful manager at a senior level for sure. I think he's got the mentality. I think he's got the background. Uh, I like what I've seen from him so far tactically. I think he gets pretty creative in solving problems on the field, but not crazy risky. Um, I think he's really thoughtful about his job and what he does. So, you know, another good, another good year for him with USL championship will help him a lot down the road. Um, and it's all dependent on timing. You know, could he be an Atlanta United manager one day? Absolutely, he could. Um, but does it line up that way? Does the timing work out for that to happen? That's the part we just never know. Uh, I don't see Pineda in any rush to go anywhere. 
Um, and it's not Cruz Azul that would be the one that he would go to. I mean, if you want to pay attention to anybody, uh, it's Pumas. It's where he came up. Um, I think that's where his his heart is in Mexico. Uh, Chivas, because of their size and the time he spent there too, I think would be another one to keep an eye on. But I don't get the sense he's waiting for an offer there to go. I, I think he's really happy with what he has here. So I, I don't think there's any rush to have a replacement groomed. But the second team's not going to disappear. There will be a second team. I, I, I think that is a little bit of a um, confusion that's out there. They're not going to be in USL Championship next season, but they're going to be in MLS Next Pro, and it will be a second team that is playing at a Division Three level that if the certification level on paper is different. I don't think it changes the aims of the team from Atlanta United's perspective. Uh, Jarrett, your thoughts on uh, Jack as you had a chance to interact with him a good bit after games last year. I think he's got some really good ideas. And I, I also have to kind of remind people that like Jack is um, Jack is younger than I am. I think Jack's 32. Yeah. Um. So I don't think there's any rush there. Uh, not to say that, you know, not to say that you're slowing him down just because he's young, but I just I don't think there's any rush, and he's done a good job. This will be an interesting development this year for him with the twos because he came through part way last year, and there were some ups and downs, and that's just going to come with you know running a team of kids out there in USL. You're going to get ups and downs with that anyway. Um, that's some really strong performances, and they had some at the end of the year that weren't so strong, and he challenged them. And I thought they responded well when he challenged them after some really bad performances. I'm very interested to see how the off, how they come out of the offseason, the first full offseason with him. And then after this year, you know, who knows what happens with uh, the next step when they're in, uh, you know, MLS next and how other how seriously other teams take it. Because given the way Atlanta United has approached everything, I would imagine they're going to go in there with the intention of burning down houses at times with their youth players and taking it very seriously, not just a, yeah, we'll stash some guys here and maybe we'll, you know, we got a couple of promising guys who we can look to seeing down the road. I think they will take it very seriously and you'll see very clearly that they won't be the only ones, but you'll see a clear line where which teams take it seriously and which ones don't. There's going to be some MLS next pro teams that are, awful i'm looking at you minnesota I'm yeah right at you yep. yeah no absolutely there, there's gonna be others um but they're they're top of the list for me i mean there's gonna be some that just don't take it seriously that don't have the academy to strengthen it that don't have the young players on the back end of their mls roster who can play those minutes there, there's gonna be some who look a little foolish in there just sorry facts um, there's going to be others who take it very seriously. The ones who are in USL championship, the ones who have committed resources to this over the years, the ones who develop top Academy players and can't sign them all to homegrown deals and sign some of them to second team deals. They're going to be the ones that from a, you know, a quality perspective, a winning perspective, they'll be in a better position in MLS next pro. But ultimately those are the ones you don't really care about the wins and losses as much either, because it's about developing talent they're just going to have more talent than your Minnesotas who are not going to develop talent. They're going to be bad on top of it. Um, I, I did see the follow-up burned on the, the Twitch pitch. I, yeah. I mean, uh, if you look at it on paper and you're looking at it from an international perspective, it's D two versus D three. I get it. 
it doesn't change anything about the way the team will be treated internally, though. So I, I don't think there is a need to move into a different position because of the partnership with USL dissolving and the team having to play at a Division Three level because that's what's available to it. I, I think that's more bureaucracy stuff than affecting how people see Jack Collison and worrying about his perception or reputation or any of that. I, I don't expect that to factor into it. Um, I, I think the biggest thing for, for Jack is going to be when somebody comes calling to put him in charge of a senior team. And is that, uh, you know, a, a championship or first division or league one club in, in England who comes in um, calling for him because of his time playing in England. Uh, you know, does he get an opportunity at a youth national team level with Wales that we represented? You know, these are these are the things that I think could potentially pull him away. I don't know where his I think appetite is for wanting to go closer to home, for example. Um, but in terms of like potential as a manager, I think he's got very, very high potential. Um, I'm excited to see his development continue. Really, really excited to see it. Uh, South Korea has qualified for the World Cup. They have clinched it now. Uh, they were right there. They're, they join Iran out of Asia as automatic qualifiers. Saudi Arabia will get in. If not today, they'll get in early in March. It's going to come down to the battle between Japan and Australia to see who gets in automatically, who goes into the Asian playoff. Um and then the winner of that goes into a playoff against the fifth place team in South America. Japan and Australia are going to be the wild ones. They're going to be the absolute wild ones. Um, okay. Other questions. I had one that I, I wanted to jump on and I missed it, Kevin. Um, I'm, here we go. Who is the next Atlanta United player to go to Europe? John. Uh, don't stall too much. What's your gut reaction? No, no, no. Oh, I was going to say miles. That's that's your gut reaction. That's, that's reasonable. I think that after, I think that, uh, in the summer, I think with the U S national team, uh, minutes that he's getting. And I think if, uh, Atlanta United gets off to the start that we're all anticipating that I think that a lot of European clubs are going to be looking at miles with what he, what we've seen him develop into at the back. And so for me, I, I think it's miles. I don't think that necessarily something happens in the summer unless it's the offer that you can't refuse. But I think that may something might happen after the season's over. I don't think anything happens in the summer. Uh, -uh. I thoroughly disagree. Um, after the season, after the World Cup, absolute possibility. But go back to the George Bellow conversation. Yeah, true. Uh, you're not going to weaken your team that you're trying to win trophies with. And look, I mean, Darren Nielsen has pretty much said that. He's been very clear in saying, like, no, we're not considering offers right now because there hasn't been anything worthwhile yet. There hadn't been, um, if there had been anything and you're not going to do it in the summer because while I, yes, I think George Campbell can step in and, and be just fine. George Campbell's not miles Robinson right now. If he was, he'd be playing next to him on the national team. So this is a, a season where the club wants to win trophies. You don't give yourself every opportunity to do that if you sell your best center back in midseason. That's the challenge that MLS presents. That's why anybody who tried to make anything out of rumors, and we'll talk more about rumors in a second, and you can look at Jarrett's uh, lovely picture here if you, you need more talk about rumors and, and sourcing. Yep. 
Um, you've got to be careful with some of this stuff. Like whatever was rumored or talked about with Bello last summer, they weren't going to sell him because they're trying to get into the postseason. They're trying to win things. It wasn't the time you saw him in this window. Did you maybe make a little bit less in, in the transfer fee? Maybe it's rumors, but maybe does that matter? No, it doesn't. They want to win. <laughs> so you're not going to sell guys mid season. So I, I don't think there is an offer that comes in for, for miles at that point. He's under a long-term deal. I don't think miles is the kind of guy who says he's not going to come train in, in the summer. If there's an offer, I, I don't see that because there will be one after the world cup. And if that's the time for him to go, then that's the time for him to go. Jared, who else other than Miles could uh, be next? Ooh, um, I'm gonna be a weird one in Brooks Lennon. Okay, no, I don't think that's that crazy. I don't know what level it is, but yeah, he, he could go. is. I think because Brooks is still young enough that I think if he stays getting national team opportunities, even if he's not starting, but if he's coming in and playing with the national team in kind of that second group, I think that there is potential for him to get that move to Europe. You could get your, your Belgian Dutch clubs interested. Your, your maybe lower, um, lower half Bundesliga clubs, potentially interested. All those are possibilities. I think he needs a big year to get into that mix um which is is possible which is absolutely possible outside of those two um i mean with luis araujo's talent like there there's always the possibility of somebody coming back in for him i mean he was there he was part of a liga title winner um they had their own financial issues atlanta was able to take advantage if he has a big year yeah, I, I could see Liga, I could see La Liga, I could see Serie A coming in for him. Um, he would be the other one that would be a different kind of move back, but uh, somebody who I think could be in that window for sure. Um, talking about rumors, and when we were talking about likelihood of players coming in, uh, Sam Williamson points out the rumors about the 18-year-old Paraguayan Julio Enciso at Libertad. Um the reason why I didn't mention this and, and we we've talked about the stuff before is the rumor uh, started with reports in Paraguay saying an unnamed MLS club is the destination and the speculation from other anonymous sources is that it could be Atlanta. He was linked with a $10 million move to Brighton fell apart late in the window because of the potential of an MLS club coming in. Um, football Alo Grande, which is a radio program on 1080 AM in Paraguay, had the initial uh, his future is in MLS, um, but not mentioning what team. So could that be Atlanta? Yeah, could be. I mean, it feels like we're kind of in the uh, Tiene Mucha Plata days of oh, they have money, so it's them. I mean, I'm surprised LAFC isn't being linked. Uh, I'm surprised the usual suspects aren't being linked. Is it possible? Sure, it is. It, I mean, he's he's out there and somebody's linking him to MLS. I'm not jumping on board that is a likely thing. And and that's the difference that I'll try to make in this program when we talk about this stuff is I don't want to rile people up over things that aren't getting to tier one sourcing yet. 
You know, none of the major reporters in South America have linked NCSO to Atlanta United yet. When they do, have the conversation for sure about the details of it. Like, yeah, he, I mean, he's 18, so U22 spot, yes. Um, would they be willing to go to, you know, clubs to, to buy these kinds of players? Yes, they've done it before. So, yeah, I mean, you're, you're checking a checklist off, sure, but there's nothing linking Atlanta to it yet. And that's where things can get out of hand with rumors and sources. Uh, give a hoot. Check your sources, right, Jared? Always. Look, the seven and the check mark are similar, but drill into it. Uh, <laughs> there, there's, We're not you there don't, yet with this. Yeah. Look, okay, look, here's the thing. None of us are Adam Scheffner. None of us are Woj. None of us are Fabrizio Romano. No. Eight seconds of your life is not going to make the difference. It's like you're not going to get a six-figure signing bonus from an outlet because you retweeted something eight seconds sooner than someone else did. Just drill into it. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. See if the person's real. If you're not sure, drill in. See how many followers they have. Check their past tweets. Uh, mm-hmm. Past tweets. Check, uh, you know, check check sourcing. It's okay. Yeah. We all get caught. It happens this, to everybody. Yeah, it happens, I, to me. I, it happens to you. No, no, for sure. I want to. I want to be clear though. This is not a fake account that is bringing this up. This is the level of the I think reputation that is we being brought too. up. Yeah, yeah, that's a different conversation a little bit because there are lots of accounts out there that are anonymous. There are lots of accounts out there with you know low follower numbers who, and lots of accounts out there who've had a history of blowing things up before there is a reputable source backing it up. Um, that's where this one stands right now. Uh, I have not, I'm, I'm checking again right now to see if any of the reporting out of Paraguay has linked a specific MLS club and no one has. It's all people expect him to go to MLS because the Brighton deal fell up, fell apart. That's it. Um, that's where things stand. Atlanta United has not been linked by any of those reporters at that time. Again, and this is the separation that you, you, I think we have to start to understand. Is it possible? Yeah, it checks boxes. If it's Atlanta's profile, it's, it's a kind of move they've made before. Um, they like to invest in young players that they think can develop and be sold. Absolutely. It fits a checklist of a possibility. But you can't attach any probability to it yet based off what's been reported. And, and that separation has to be made. 
and that's key to all of this. It's like, yes, you can connect some dots and make some assumptions and sit there and look at things and go, okay, yes, this fits, this fits, this fits. But if there isn't any concrete information or sourcing that goes behind it, it's just information out in the ether right now. And then until you get to that next level of notion where, okay, here is an individual who is tier one level sourcing that is attaching themselves to this information that we have out there. Yes, it can, it can fit and check off some boxes, but until we get to that next stage, just kind of put it off to the side and understand that it's out there without any kind of backing or other information that's attached to it. And that's key in this. You just know who's, who's saying what you have to know who the players are in, in these conversations, not the literal players on the field, but the players in the uh, social media conversation around rumors, you have to know a little bit of backgrounds and such. And, and that's why I, I, really do try to keep the unsubstantiated stuff out of our conversation here Um, because I don't want to mislead anybody. I I don't want to then have something get started and have it go down a million different roads. If, if people want to have those conversations, look, I mean, we can all speculate on everything all the time, but I don't want anyone to take more credence in something that right now is not even directly being linked to Atlanta United. It's, it's linked to MLS pretty broadly. So let's let's wait and see a little bit on Julio Inciso out of Paraguay. Um, MLS Next Pro released their roster rules yesterday. Honestly, pretty similar to USL in terms of how it's structured. Uh, five academy players on the field at, at any given time. Um, they they used amateur as terminology here. It's roughly the same thing, but same concept. Uh, guys who haven't gone to college yet guys from your academy can play as an amateur keep their college eligibility but you can't have a full team of your academy players i wondered if they would do that because usl didn't want that because you had some teams going super young and not being competitive and usl managing independent teams and and second teams the competitiveness was a big part of it uh mls next pro it's all under the mls umbrella i thought maybe they would go down that road a little bit further they are not yet uh, 35-man roster. They do have a roster freeze date. Um, there's probably lots of flexibility in this roster week to week because guys will get loaned down. Guys will be able to play. They did not make any, and, and this would be more of the MLS roster rules, but they did not make any real apparent changes to players moving up from MLS Next Pro teams to your MLS team more fluidly. I don't know all of the mechanisms from a FIFA transfer situation. I don't know how that would work. I don't know how you can model it after what your La Ligas do, where they have reserve teams that play in lower divisions. Um, I'm sure there's a model they can follow. I would love to see that. And if there's a limitation in how many games they can play as a second team player at the first division level, make it but there has to be more ability for rosters and MLS to be deeper and for guys to earn time, even if it is on a, a shorter term. Now you do have that amateur issue, which relates to college eligibility, which relates to players who do want to potentially play in the NCAA. That's unique to the United States. That's unique to this. You're probably not going to be able to play Academy players who are not on pro deals in MLS games in those situations without losing their college eligibility if they want to go to college. 
Okay. If that's the limitation, fine. But your guys like for Atlanta United, like David Mejia, like a Johnny Fortune. If you get into a situation in the season, and Frank DeBoer talked about it back in the day, other managers around the league have talked about it. And one of two things or both. You have a bunch of injuries at a position and you have a, a player with your second team that can step up and play that position in a pinch. You should be allowed to do that. Also, if you have a player with the second team who is lighting it up and is ready to get some games at a higher level and you want to see before committing to a long-term contract, you should be allowed to do that. That is the next step for MLS Next Pro. Maybe it comes next year when everybody has MLS Next Pro and they're not a few teams left in USL Championship. I hope so. But that's the game changer for me with uh, with the reserve teams. That's what changes this conversation in a big way. Robbie Mertz, Burn mentions, I agree. Aiden McFadden, absolutely. And it's just something that I think would benefit everybody involved. I, I get that the academy guys can't do it unless they're going to forfeit their college eligibility. And that's for in, the individuals to make that decision. But you can still increase the depth that you have to work with in MLS and not get into some of these situations where you're forcing an MLS team to have 15 on a game day roster, 16 on a game day roster because of injuries or whatever, when they could call up a couple of guys from their second team who could be on the roster. For me, I'm intrigued at Rochester. I just I want to see how they're going to look when it comes to MLS Next Pro, and I want to see what their build Oh, that's like. a whole different thing. That, that's getting into the independent teams that are a whole other thing with MLS Next Pro, right? Yeah, yeah. and that's – and because they're an independent, I want to see what their approach is and how they're going to look. I just think it's an interesting subplot for me because they're that independent club and you're going up against all of the, the MLS – next teams that are coming in from USL championship are being built or and assembled the other way. So it's, I'm just sorry. We got a, uh, some news out of Charlotte, which is kind of Ooh, odd. Um, reorganization of the Tepper sports and entertainment front office. Uh, Tom Glick, who has been there since 2018 uh, was a huge part of, I think, the initial expansion bidding and, and launch because he had experience with City Football Group. He is leaving to pursue other opportunities. Nick Kelly, who has been the president of Charlotte FC, is moving up to the CEO role of Tepper Sports and Entertainment, which includes the Carolina Panthers. Um Christy Coleman becomes the Panthers president. Joe LeBeau becomes the Charlotte FC president. So this is up at the, the higher end of it, but this is the second like shakeup with Charlotte. This one doesn't seem to be anything directly with them, but it does take Kelly out of the Charlotte FC role and put him in a bigger role. Yeah. And you have a new president coming in. Um, Joe LeBeau, I was looking to see if they had any information on him. I think maybe he's coming over from the Panthers side, but I'm not 100% sure of that. So that's another shakeup for them as we get close to the season. Um, the last one with uh, technical director going to Columbus, who the technical director for them I think they, they kind of alluded to it in some comments about Miguel Angel Ramirez that Kelly gave yesterday that I think he's become more of a factor in technical director kind of things than maybe they intended. 
and you didn't need the same kind of technical director. The technical director was a little bit more related to the academy. Okay. I get that. That can be a little more shuffling. That's fine. Thank you, Johannes. Uh, LeBee's been with the organization for 10 years, uh, 20 years of experience in sports and entertainment. Started with the Panthers as a sales manager, uh, previously VP of ticket sales and services. Also worked for the Washington football team, managed corporate sponsorships for monumental sports and entertainment, which operates the Capitals, the Wizards, the Mystics. So come, he's going to be the president of the Charlotte FC side of it. Nick Kelly, who was, will move up to the overall ceo role over both um well all the entity which includes the panthers yeah but to your point yes i know it's the it's the second maneuver that we've seen involving charlotte fc in a very very short period of time and you know it it does it does kind of you know raise your eyebrow a little bit but we'll see i mean because this one is more of a tepper sports uh, internal hire that's placed into another position as opposed to someone exiting and that you have a reorganization in this one. Yeah. I mean, Jared, I, I don't, I don't want to read too much into it because I, I, I don't know directly what this does to Charlotte FC. I think at the big, big level, I'll be interested to see with now Kelly, who's been instrumental with, with Charlotte FC getting off the ground, um, moving into a bigger role. Is that a good or a, bad thing for charlotte fc it remains to be seen um had a lot of restructuring right to the run-up and it happens sometimes um you can't always predict when offers are going to come you can't always predict when people are going to need to move around and um uh, you know being able to adjust on the fly is just part of it you know yeah um still waiting to see some of this roster and kelly talked about it yesterday they they're still trying to get a few moves done on the attacking end uh jordy reyna they're trying to get the visa sorted out with uh, the peruvian government on him um see if he can get into camp here soon they're playing the grenada national team in a friendly today down in florida it still feels a little incomplete and that's i think that's why i'm looking at it like oh wait a minute these are these are, uh, I, I don't think, going to derail anything, but I just have a little bit of question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit. Yeah. You're kind um, of... Like, uh. <laughs> Narratives down here. I see how they're going. It's always entertaining. Uh, they have said, Charlotte FC executives have said that they're not where they want to be in terms of the attack. So I... That's not being made up. That's not playing radio games here. That is, they still need some more talent in that part of the field because right now on their roster, they have one winger. They have Mackenzie Gaines, who might be converted to a winger. They have one winger. And we know from Miguel Angel Ramirez's conversations about the game, what he sees, all of this, he needs the wingers. That's a big part of his game. Uh, Great, great manager, and I think he'll get a ton out of this group, but I think he still needs more to work with, and I just don't think he has everything he needs in the front three yet. We'll see. We'll see where it goes, um, but we'll see this other shakeups that are going on in Charlotte. They have sold over 60,000 tickets for the opening game. They're over 20,000 on the season tickets. Um, all that stuff is great, and that was not really much of a concern. I hope that the talent they have to work with uh, matches the manager that they hired in Ramirez because uh, he's one of the best in the league, in my opinion. We'll see where it goes. All right, that's going to do it for us. Um, 
we will be back tomorrow. Stoppage time will be back tomorrow afternoon as well. Uh, Mike Conti will hopefully be with us tomorrow morning on the show. Uh, if you haven't heard the Jack Collison interview, it's up on the podcast network. Um, soccer over there was ridiculous last night as usual, but that's up on the, the podcast network as well. Uh, Jared, are you going to join us tomorrow morning? That's the game plan. That sounds somewhat unsure. No, that's the game plan. I'd like to. I, I intend to. If I don't, it will be that. Is, I, if I don't, then something has gone wrong. Okay. That's well, we'll take that then. That, that's good. That's a good step in the right direction. How about that? There you go. Yeah, there you go. Some positivity right. in your day. I'll leave you with this. Um, it was very funny late last week that uh, there was an announcement that Barcelona had signed Carlos Tevez. Oh, yeah. And it was Barcelona of Ecuador who does an unveiling to start their season. It's the, uh, the, the Noche de la Amarilla, if I remember correctly, where they always bring in a guest to play with them in a season kickoff friendly. Um, they've had Mascherano. Um, they've had a bunch of different people play that role. Well, they brought in Carlos Tevez for that and had a lot of fun with it. And he played a lot in the game. I think he played pretty deep into the second half. Well, now the reports are, and this is what we'll leave you with, Herman Garcia Grova, who is one of the really reputable sources out of South America, says that Barcelona of Ecuador is seeking Carlos Tevez for the Copa Libertadores. They have talked to him about a proposal to sign him. He's been out of contract since he left Boca last year sometime, early last year, I think. Um, They say, we know it will be difficult, but no one can take the dream away from us. So they are trying to sign Carlos Tevez for the, the long period. And El Modaflo is furious about all of this. Those idiots are broke, he says. Well, that's probably why it would be so difficult, because Carlos Tevez isn't going to play for free. So good luck, Barcelona. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, we'll see how Peru and Ecuador goes tonight. And all the other matches in South America, you can watch them on the Fubo TV service in English and Spanish. We'll talk about them tomorrow. And then also tonight on the SDH platform, you can listen to it on the app. You can listen to it on the website, High School Soccer, Parkview at Decatur. The girls' game will kick off uh, right before 6 o'clock. Boys' game will be after that. So we'll have those on the radio call tonight from Decatur High School. Looking forward to it, John. Yeah, it is going to be fun. It's uh, Parkview's first matches of the year, and Decatur's had a couple of matches, and they've been uh, right there in a couple of them. It's like one goal win, one goal loss, those kinds of things. So we're looking forward to this one for the debut of the schedule when it comes to high school soccer here in SDH. And we'll be back with you in the morning. Have a good rest of the day. Mucha plata, y'all. Mucha plata, y'all. Mucha plata, y'all.